The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm mostly exhausted here. Uh, I'm Mike Missanelli. First of all, before I introduce my cohorts today, uh, Derek Gunn is not with us today. So uh, we're missing D Gunn and uh, prayers for Derek because he has dealing with a family emergency. So our best wishes and prayers go out to Derek Gunn and his family. So we will carry on in our cohorts today. Mark Farzetta is stepping in today on the postgame show along with Seth Joyner. And of course, I'm Mike Missanelli. I, listen. Spill out your emotion <laughs> on the way that game ended. I'm, I'm stunned by it. I'm, I'm with you as far as, as exhausting as that game was. Mike said, I mean, really, at the end of it, it was like, Dallas, no, you guys win. Then Eagles, no, you guys should win this game. No, you guys win this game. But if there was ever to be a picture-perfect moment to describe the Dallas Cowboys over the last 20 to 25 years, it's Dak Prescott just stepping out of bounds before that two-point conversion. Close but no cigar, and that really does sum up the Cowboys now, over the last right 25 plus that, years. You know, the bottom line is the Eagles did enough to win, and that team, with chance after chance to win the game, just doesn't have the heart to punch it through. And, and so I guess you got to give credit. The Eagles are the better team. The Eagles are the most secure team. They're the one that, that you can really count on to get the deal done rather than that other squad. For the majority of the game, they were the better football team. And then, you know, they look like the luckiest team at the end. I mean, it absolutely makes no sense to end the game in that manner. I, I just, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I, I, listen, I, I'm not going to sit here and beat them up because guess what? They're 8-1. They're going into a bye to get everybody healthy. I don't want to hear it all over social media. Oh, but they won. Yeah, okay. They, listen, <laughs> that, that was... Dallas, Dallas is not one of those better football teams in the league that you're going to have to worry about. You know, if they play this way when they go to Dallas, they're not going to win the game in Dallas. I'm just saying, you know, because I believe the home field advantage carries that much. I mean, I can't remember the last time that the Eagles actually went to Dallas and won in Dallas, but this sets them up perfectly because it's the split. I don't see the Eagles losing to the Giants twice, so they're going to win and run away, you know, with the division. But... I just the way that they play football all season long, I just don't like it. And it's hard to say that you don't like something about a team when they're eight and one. It's absolutely yeah, insanity, yeah, man. They're eight and one now. I mean, let's let's just go over the last few moments. So I think the point I'm trying to make is that Dallas can't cinch the deal, and they they ha- they should have cinched the deal. I mean, they they really had chances to win this game, and. They, and like, like Cowboy teams of old, there's something missing. There's always something missing. But let's go over the last precarious, precarious Mike, moments. Mike, because, Mike, hold on. What's that? See, you want to make it about Dallas. I prefer to make it more about the Eagles. 
You can't have these illegal contacts. You can't have per. You know, I'm going to go over that in a second. Can't jump off sides. Go over that in a second. All the what, dumb what nonsense. They, they made a ton that. of mistakes at the end, obviously, but the, but the Cowboys seem to have the template for not cinching the deal. So joking, let's, joking. Yeah, let's let's just go over it the last few moments. <laughs> so it was a comfortable. It looked like it was going to be a comfortable 28-23 uh, win. And now Dallas had three timeouts. They get the ball back. And we're not expecting that they're going to get the ball down the field. Well, what happens, and this is to speak in the Seth's point, that this is why he's so ticked off, because a good team really doesn't close out a game like this when you're the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, they had the pass interference right out of the shoot. They had a roughing the penalty, a stupid penalty by Hassan Reddick. Uh, Jalen Carter on an encroachment gets the ball to the six-yard line, first and five at the six-yard line. Now, here's where the Cowboys take over. They get a false start. They, they get a sack from, from Sweat that sends them way back. They get incompletion in the corner of the end zone. They get a delay a game penalty. So now it's fourth down. They started at the sixth. They're now back at the 26th. And they complete the final pass to CeeDee Lamb, but it was a shorter pass that wasn't going to get into the end zone, uh, and it stopped at about the four-yard line, and, and that's the ball game. I mean, there, there are so many little twists and turns in this game, and I look at it and I go, well, the Cowboys gave the Eagles two possessions. This is what I'm talking about. It separates a good team from a, uh, a, a team that's re- ready to just give it up. Two possessions the Eagles had. They started at the 40-yard line. Now, who does that in the NFL? It's a good team. You allow the other team to start at the 40-yard line. One, the kicker kicked it out of bounds. Uh, and, and the other one, I don't remember what was the face other one. Mask. The fa- the face mask. They pulled the face mask They pulled the face mask. A special team pulls the guy's face mask and helmet off to start to, to, at the 40. So, uh, you know, I'm looking at this. This team is, is ridiculous. And then it comes down to the point where they almost win the game. Yeah. Well, before the game, we were talking about this as possibly making the Dallas Cowboys look like the Miami Dolphins, which was basically a team that looks pretty elite most of the time, you know, except for when they play the good football teams and the Eagles. And, yes, I have my problems with the way they played some of this game, and we'll get to that, I'm sure. But when it comes to winning football games against the upper echelon teams in the NFL, there's no better team that does that more so than the Philadelphia Eagles. And they proved that the Dallas Cowboys are still the Dallas frauds, and they took (laughs) advantage of all the opportunities that they possibly could. The Eagles even afforded themselves the right to pass up on other opportunities in this game, and it basically came down to the Dallas Cowboys not being able to score and not being able to cash in on big opportunities presented. To them. Let's highlight a couple of the big plays, first of all, right? Um, Blankenship did make the play on that tight end. And at that point, the Eagles had taken control of the game with a couple scores in the third quarter. And we're, so now we're in the fourth quarter. It's fourth and one, and we're having a discussion. And I know that Seth, I'll let you speak on this because you would have kicked the field goal there. Instead, they decided to go for the touchdown on fourth and one with the score 28 to 17. And your reasoning is if you kick the field goal, you still got to score again, and you get the eight-pointer to tie it. They decide to go for it. They find the tight end wide open. Blankenship does make a pretty good play on it. I, I didn't even think it was not a touchdown until the replay shows that the guy's knee was down on that play by like a half yard. So that, that's the first thing that happens. Then the Eagles, uh, they, they, I thought the Eagles got a little conservative there, like, not pre, pre, like pre, playing not to lose rather than to win because they give the ball right back on a three-and-out punt, and the Cowboys score – to make it 28 to 23, and that on a two-point conversion, 
is where Dak Prescott steps out of bounds with a chance to make it 28 to 26. Uh, 25. 25, where where they're within a field goal. Uh, They they squander that opportunity. And then finally on the next drive, the couple of big plays that I'm citing are the sacks by Brandon Graham. He had one by himself. He had one with Jalen Carter. That was a monster play by him at that point in the game. I mean, how many clutch times have you seen this defensive line step up? Hassan Reddick has done it time and time again. Six and a half sacks coming into this game in the fourth quarter. Then you see a guy like Brandon Graham step up and make the play that you just referenced. Hassan Reddick made another good play. Ended up having a couple of penalties as well. But then also Jalen Carter steps up and makes a play. When the Eagles have needed to get a big play, they have been able to rely on their defensive line. And to see Brandon Graham, for instance, come into today's game with only a sack and a half on the season and gets a sack and a half in the game, that's stepping up. If you're going to step up in a money situation, there's no bigger money situation than against the Dallas Cowboys and going into a bye week. So you saw them step up in that situation. Seth, how did you feel about the way the Eagles handled the end of that game? Did you think they got conservative? They punted twice. They gave, they gave the ball back to him twice on punts on, on three-and-out type situations. I didn't mind um, the one after the touchdown. I didn't mind that one. I, I, I didn't mind because they were backed up. They went tush-push first play. Then they came back on second and seven or second and eight. The thing I didn't like about that play is that you're trying to throw a slant to Alameda Zacchaeus who plays three three plays a, a game. And you got A.J. Brown over here, one of the preeminent wide receivers in the league, and he's throwing a fit because it's like, how dare you call a play to throw it to him instead of me? A.J. catches that ball, he gets the first down, and we start chewing clock from there. So, you know, listen, when you're backed up, I get it. You know, you're just trying not to make a mistake. You know, but you got the Dallas Cowboys, you know, by the necks at that point. You know, they just messed up because, to my point, if they kick the field goal and then they get the ball back and they got the five-play, five, the, the five, five 52-yard drive where they actually score the touchdown, the next down, now they got a decision to make, okay? We got to go for two to tie the game. Now you understand why I said what I said when yeah, we were having the conversation. Yeah, I don't agree with it. You can, <laughs> listen, but here's the thing. Mike, if they, you if they, cannot agree with it all you want, but the proof is how the game played out. Okay. Okay? If, you, but, if they kick the field goal, put the Eagles behind. The Eagles are already in protection mode. They weren't trying to score any more points. They weren't trying to score any more points. They were going to go three and out the next series anyway. So now you make the Eagles punt. Now you hold your breath because this Turpin kid, if he catches a punt, you got problems. And, and, and the Eagles defense hadn't stopped them at that point. They go down and score. Now you got to get a two-point, and now we're looking to no, overtime. Listen, mathematically you're correct. We've and fallen we in bring love. You in on this. We've if, fallen if, in love with that nonsense no, of always no, having no, to no, go forget for Forget the nonsense. <laughs> yes, I mean, it's if nonsense. I, if, you're, if you have confidence in your offensive team, you're fourth and one. What are the chances you get back to that situation? You've got to take advantage of that situation to score a touchdown nope. when you've only got one yard no, to go. Don't. No, you don't. You needed two possessions anyway. You needed two possessions But anyway. the second possession needs eight points to tie it. So what? You're if you score the touchdown and you score again, you win the game. If, 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 if in Buster's Candy and Nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> if. See, that's what, these, that's, what these stupid, that's what these stupid decisions are built upon is if and probability. But when it doesn't work out, because guess what? They turn the ball over yeah. uh, by, uh, by, by that much, okay, 
Then when they score, they get the two-point conversion, but Dak steps out of bounds. Look at all of these ifs that, 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 that come up, you know, where, where you don't make the proper decision. We have just fallen in love when we're drunk on analytics and drunk on always having to go for it. But they had the touchdown. See, that, not that this matters. We're talking about what Dallas didn't they do. They had and no touchdown. It shouldn't, it shouldn't matter right. they to had, us. In that situation, they did not get the touchdown. And they they, they, they didn't get the touchdown. They should have gotten the yeah. touchdown. Yeah. See, like, by a miracle, they didn't get the touchdown there with the pass if, to the tight end. I, I, lo- I love these adjectives. If, <laughs> shoulda, coulda, woulda. You got you got yeah, any more for me? I think they're contractions, aren't they? What are they? I, 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 my head is still spinning. Last thing I'm going to remember right now is eighth grade grammar. But uh, when it comes to this game, I think they had to go for the touchdown in that situation. I, no. When you look at that situation, they're not – look, yes, had they been putting up uh, numbers, had they been racking up yards, did CeeDee Lamb have 150-plus yards, whatever he ended up with, 160-whatever. Yes, he had been doing that all the damn game. But when it, when you look at this particular situation, you don't know whether or not you're going to get back there. And look, the Eagles' defense eventually woke up by being able to get after the quarterback. So if they just go for a field goal at that time, I mean, if you're Mike McCarthy, you're telling your offense in that situation, well, this is the only shot we really got. If no, they, if if you don't score, if you don't go after it at that point, you're telling your defense, you're telling your offense, you're not putting up any more points. You had this. they had no chance whatsoever, none, at winning that game once they decided to go for it on fourth down and came up six inches short. They had no chance. The but only chance that they, they had. Almost, they almost won the damn no, game. No, no, no. They <laughs> the five-yard line. But, but listen to what I'm saying. The only chance that they had was for the Eagles to play as stupid as they played yeah. down the stretch. Now, that I okay? agree with. Now, that the, I agree with, absolutely. Because, because, okay, well, let me use the conjunction. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what it is. If. It might be a conjunction. If. I, it's it's definitely. A, I think it's, it's a preposition. It's, I don't know. It's, 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 definitely, it's, it's definitely not an adjective. Let, 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 let me go back and say, okay, if the Eagles play the game the way they're supposed to play it, okay, then there's no shot whatsoever with two, with two possessions. They need two scoring drives in order to tie this game up. They need two. There's no way if they play it the proper way, okay? But you can't have – Jumping off sides, illegal, you know, jumping off sides no, you, on Jalen Hurts. You can't have, you know, the P.I. on James Bradbury. You can't have the, the um, unsports, unsportsmanlike, you know, the little shoulder on, on, Reddick. on, on Reddick. You can't have those dumb plays. Mm-hmm. No, you know? you, no, you're right. They, it almost looked like they, 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 wanted, they wanted to give this game to Dallas. I could not believe that Dallas, because we're looking at that other drive. This was the drive at 28 to 23. Where I, I thought the game was over after this. The Cowboys had gotten into Eagle territory, and on a third and ten, Dak hit a crucial pass to the tight end Ferguson with with Morrow in coverage. So they were down pretty deep, mm-hmm. and this is when the sacks come. Brandon Graham gets the sack on a, on a second and makes it second and seventeen back at the thirty eight, and and then Graham and Carter get another one. Uh, and on that play, they they may have missed the hands to the face. Yeah, on, on they, they may have. I thought it was a shoulder right. pad. I thought it was a shoulder pad. Yeah. Okay, all right, so whatever. Now, now they're in a third and 21. Every every chance the Cowboys got, they gave it back. So third and 21, they do complete it to CeeDee Lamb, but on a fourth and eight with 130 left, incomplete to the right sideline with Bradbury on Tolbert. Mm-hmm. They don't go to CeeDee Lamb in that particular situation, and they don't even go to the tight end who seemed to have the middle of the field wide open mm-hmm. for Why no. would you have gone anywhere else? Right. They, they, have just been, they've been, they, were cooking, they were cooking Bradbury all day. 
I don't know how many touchdowns he gave up today or how many P.I.s he had I don't had know today. if Tolbert's going to cook them, though. That's my thing. Tolbert you, cooked you, them for a touchdown early. Yeah, he did. You're right, they did. And it, it, uh, this is nothing yeah. new with James Bradbury, unfortunately. He has not looked particularly great this season. At no, all. He, he didn't play very well at all. I like uh, the way that Slade played today because they had him in a more aggressive posture. And they put him on C.D. Lamb in the slot. And when you had him on C.D. Lamb, he was doing work today. Yeah, and that I, is it's what I keep talking about, how you play these cornerbacks, you know. And the fact that the coverage, the coverage and the pressure has to work hand in hand, okay. I am just, like, amazed at how little pressure, you know, Sean Desai decided to dial up today. I mean, you're just letting Dak sit back there. Another guy that's thrown for 300 yards on us today. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. You are not always going to get pressure with a four-man four man rush. So sometimes you got to send the extra guy or the extra two guys, you know, and live with the results of that. But if you speed Dak's, Dak's process up, I mean, you, we saw it. We were talking about it at the end of the game. If you just – they sent Zach Cunningham. Zach runs up in there. Dak throws it in the dirt. I'm like, if you just speed him up a little bit, just a little bit, it makes all the difference in the world. Well, but if you're going to let did, him stand back they, there. They sacked him five times today. They pressured him a lot. Though, yeah, the that ones, there were a lot of pressures the on ones him that, today. The ones, that, the ones that really only mattered were the last two, you know, at the end of the game. Those are the ones that really only mattered. You know, when you're not generating I – mean, you, you can talk about the sacks. You can talk about the hurries all you want. But if they're not timely enough – to affect the game like the the last two they affected the outcome of the game the the other three early on in the game they're non-existent they didn't really accomplish anything and my thing is you cannot keep playing football in this manner where you don't affect the quarterback where you don't stress the quarterback because good quarterbacks like Dak and listen he may have made some boneheaded plays today some things that you know should have been better but he was good enough to throw for well over 300 yards. Yeah, here are his numbers, 29 of 44 for 374 and three touchdowns, not an interception, which I uh, exactly. find hard to believe. Well, you're not going to get an interception yeah. when you don't pressure him. Yeah. That's my whole point. Still hasn't thrown an interception at Lincoln Financial Field, by the way. Oh, Dak is that Prescott. right? Also, uh, did you see, do you see the numbers there? You're about to go to C.D. Lamb? Yeah, C.D. <laughs> Lamb, 11 catches for 191 yards. And we thought that was going to be a problem because he – primarily was operating out of the slot and uh, Sidney Brown is just uh, he's way behind the curve as far as being an NFL slot corner at this point uh, let's go to the other side because Jalen Hurts and, and you know we looked at the situation I, I didn't know if he was going to play the second half he got banged on that knee and limped off now he, he, he put a good face on it by running into the locker room uh, but Jalen uh, 17 to 23 today for 207 he wound up running the ball 10 times I don't think any of those were designed runs for only 36 yards. He was hobbled the whole game. Now, we thought the Eagles were really going to concentrate on running the football against Dallas in this game. But they, they, they did it as soon as they come out for the second half. It's funny because when they notice they haven't run the ball in the first half, usually in the second half they start running it <laughs> and say, oh, oh, we forgot about this. And of all people, Rashad Penny carries the ball a couple times in the second half. Uh, but uh, DeAndre Swift, 18 for 43, very pedestrian. Uh, and Gainwell only had three carries today. He had a big one, but uh, only three carries for, for Kenneth Gainwell today. So, I don't know. What do we make of the offensive game plan here? I mean, we all did talk about how much they were supposed to run this ball. 
in this game today, and they did not do that even a little bit. They did it initially when you saw Kenny Gainwell go for that big touchdown, and we all know the controversy after that game last week about Kenny Gainwell and answering uh, DMs or whatever they might be on social mm-hmm. media. Yeah. So I think that was a big point of emphasis for Nick Sirianni to make sure Kenny Gainwell got the ball with the opportunity to score a touchdown, which he eventually did with that flip into the end zone. That's all well and good, but you need to see more of that in a game like this. And I think one of the big reasons the game became all of a sudden out of control is because you weren't trusting your running game. You weren't trusting your offensive line. And I understand to a point you have a guy like Tyler Steen making his first NFL start at the right guard position here for the Eagles. But at some point, you got to consider the fact that run blocking for a lot of young uh, offensive linemen in particular is a much easier game than passing. So for me, I was very surprised the Eagles didn't trust that a little bit more in the early goings of this uh, ball game. And DeAndre Swift was able to get it going very little bit today, 43 yards, but 18 carries for him, considering the lack of success they had, I was surprised they stuck with him as much as they did in this game. Seth, I know <laughs> you're pretty frustrated at this point by screaming that they should run the ball more, but like, what, what are your thoughts on this? You know, the other thing, too, is <clears throat> the when you run the football, is as big as you know if you run the football you know to your point they're always going to look balanced because you know they're going to get up to a point in the game where it's like oh my god you know we're we're way out of whack here so we need to like get back so you can go ahead and look at the amount of attempts by Jalen Hurts and then look at the rushes so he had a tush push for a touchdown and he had two tush pushes for first downs, correct? And one at their own goal line. That was in the, the three and out they had after they didn't they went for the touchdown. Dallas went for the touchdown, didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he so, got three yards on it so, with, on one leg. So my point is, go ahead and add, potentially take, take four, maybe five or six of those rushing plays off of the, the ledger for Hertz as a runner and throw them over on the passing play because that's where they that's what they actually were you know so listen I, I'm down I'm done you know sounding the gong about what they should do as far as the run game is concerned um, I say that now but I know I'll never change because I understand I've been around football too long and I know the game too well to, to ever move off of that fact that the run game you know, can be such an integral part of, of what you do. You know, um, for the Chiefs last year in the Super Bowl in the second half, it was integral to their getting their offense on track and then winning the Super Bowl. I watched them do the same thing today um, with Miami crawling back in the game. They went back to, you know, the run game and it secured the victory for them. Again, when you go back and you look at the stats, they, are, they were balanced in the Super Bowl and they were balanced today. And I think that good football teams, you know, they learn how to get balanced, you know, early in the game. And if they do early enough, then it's one of those situations, Mike, where I believe, you know, the Eagles really don't struggle in this game. But the fact that, you know, you started off strong running the ball, you're establishing the run, you know, I'm looking and I'm saying, oh, they got two high safety. That means you got six, you got six on six in the box. That means that we can run the ball no problem. No, we're going to throw it against cover two. And I'm like, it just makes no sense whatsoever. But I just resign myself to the fact that this is the way that this offensive staff is going to operate. And, um, you know, I'll keep, you know, beating the gong of what they should be doing, but they're going to do what they want to do, you know. And, and I'm telling you right now, it's going to come a point in time in this season where it's going to bite them in the behind. 
you know, the same way when I talked about last year, pressure, and I'm talking about it again. Sean Desai needs to learn how to bring more pressure, okay? When you got a team behind the sticks, put them behind the sticks even more because if you're going to play soft and give them, you know, 15 yards, you know, like, like that, that, that third and 20 that they had, and C.D. Lamb catches the ball on fourth down right there where they turn it down. He's a, a yard away. All he needs is a little shove. Like, why are you giving up so much real estate? It makes no sense to me. None. Uh, the Cowboys did a decent day, and they've been uh, actually all year their secondary has held wide receivers down. So the, A.J. Brown did not go off today. Seven catches for 66 yards. And Devontae Smith had three catches for 51. Was not happy in the first half. Looked like he was squawking a little bit on the sidelines. And then finally he got on the board with a touchdown. That was the uh, the first touchdown in the third quarter where the Eagles were trying to take control as they went into halftime with a little bit of a deficit. Um, that was, a, that was a, a really good play. Uh, six plays, 60 yards, that drive, 29-yard TD to Devontae Smith. It was his second target of the day. That put him up 21-17. And then uh, on the subsequent drive, they score again to make it 28-17. to They got a really costly uh, pass interference call with uh, 316 left in the, in the period to get to the 41 of the Cowboys and then crossing a short pass to Goddard. Uh, um, for 29 yards, that was where he got hurt, I believe, and he was out for the rest of the game. So they were really playing the rest of the game without the tight end. And then they get the swing pass to A.J. Brown for a TD, which was a pretty well-designed play because Gilmore had him man-to-man. He had to track him all the way across the field. So, and that made him three for three in the red zone. So they're up 28-17. to 17. Everything's looking peachy. <laughs> As we get to the end of the third quarter, and then all of a sudden, boom, it becomes a game again. Well, at the start of that third quarter, let's not forget, going into halftime, Jalen Hurts was dragging that leg off the field. So we didn't know what to expect from Jalen Hurts in that second half. And then finally, he comes out in the third quarter, and he goes two for two. He had two runs. He had one run by Bashad Penny, which was surprising, a nice little run for him. But then you also go on to see Jalen Hurts hit two passes in a row, including the 29-yard touchdown strike, which was a ball right in the basket right in the bread basket of Devontae Smith in the end zone. So you had a little concern going into halftime about what Jalen Hurts was going to look like after that. Very accurate after that. And then again, you go back to that three-and-out play with that one tush push. It's a first-and-ten situation on their own one-yard line. They set up the tush push where, again, they initially try to draw the Dallas Cowboys off sides. They decide to keep it. Jalen Hurts then goes on one leg three yards up the middle, and then they blew it after that. But as far as that possession went. But really, this offense looked like to find some kind of sink coming out at halftime there. Yeah, because they ran the ball. <laughs> yeah, they ran yeah, the they, ball. Go figure. They, they set it up. They had a little more balance in the game. Uh, so, like, you know, I. Uh, by the <laughs> way, real quick on that on those two completions by Jalen Hurts, coming out of halftime, the amount of times he had to use his legs. One on a scramble that ended up being for no gain, and then on the other, he was able to run to his right. I think he found DeAndre Swift for an eleven-yard completion yeah. on that play, and he made a great play to be able to roll to his right on that play again on one leg and make that completion. Yeah, and Seth was seeing that play; he was open earlier. He got the ball earlier <laughs> on uh, that play, right? I mean, if he throws that ball immediately, he probably picks up another 15, 20 yards, easy. Um, but, but you know, the, the other thing about the Eagles. Um, the other thing about the Eagles passing game that I don't like, listen, Jalen Hurts, I don't know how many, I don't know how many sacks he's had on he's taken on the year. But it seems like every game is like two, three, four, two, three, four, two, three, four sacks a game. You know, some of them are. He had another one of those today where he was scrambling and he decided to slide before the line of scrimmage yeah. and gave gave away a sack. But a lot of them, the other two were right there in the pocket and he almost got severely hurt in the pocket. Because 
you know, I think sometimes, you know, instead of their progression working from short to deep, their progression always works from deep to short. They're always looking for that, those routes, those explosive plays, 15 to 20 yards down the field. And those routes take time to develop, you know. And then they've got to work back to the safety valve underneath. So my thing is, though, if I'm looking right now and it's not there, just give it to them. Just, just, just give it to the safety valve and take the five yards now. Stop being so darn impatient trying to force the ball down the field. Because guess what? If I keep dumping it off, and Nick Sirianni said last week that, you know, the short passing game to the running backs, you know, out of the backfield, that's an extension of the run game. I call BS. You want to know why I call BS? Because I didn't see them extending the, the, the running game down on the goal line. You could have easily thrown the ball to the back out of the backfield, and that could have been an extension of the – so that's nonsensical. That, that, that doesn't fly for me. Okay, but my thing is, they get so impatient, man. You know, if you got a lead, all you have to do is take what the defense is giving you. You don't have to push the ball down the field. It's not about that. It's about winning the game. It's not about a philosophy of how you're going to run your offense and, and the passing game that you want to implement. If they're giving you five yards on first down, passing the ball, why not take it? Because now you got second down, you can either run it, you can go play action on second down, or you can take a shot on second down coming back that you know you got third and manageable if you don't convert it. But everything that they do is just, you know, 15, 20, 30 yards down the field. And while Jalen's standing there patting, trying to wait for these routes to open up, the rush is, is, is crashing in on him. And then by the time he decides that, oh, there's nothing there, let me go to the check down. You know, now he's got heat all over him. He takes a lot of sacks, in my opinion, yeah. that he shouldn't. When he drops back, I'm like, let it go, Jalen. Let it go. Let it go. And he's just holding on to it, waiting for somebody down the field to come open. All right, let's take a breath. And I want to come back to a point uh, that, that happened uh, before the play at the goal line where the tight end did not get into the end zone. But right now I want to speak to the people who are looking to hire in the IT manufacturing or technology fields. If, if you're looking, then uh, you contact uh, our buddy Gary Kane and his team at Kane Partners Staffing Solutions. And here is how you can connect. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. All right, it is the Pondland Hockey Eagles postgame show. I'm Mike Missanelli with Mark Farzetta and Seth Joyner. In a little bit, we'll be joined by Bill Calarulo and also Kayla uh, Santiago will join us with the Diamond Debate. Uh, I want to talk about this uh, play, that, that what happened before Ferguson did not get in the end zone and got his knee down. Now, the, the, the Cowboys drove, and they had a first and goal at the seven, and then there was a personal foul penalty on Bayer. Now, if you remember that play, it was really a retaliatory flag that came out because uh, the tight end had actually pushed Bayer. He came back off the turf and pushed back, boom, they get in for a personal foul penalty, but that makes it first and goal at the seven. So now they're on f they're fourth and one. Fourth and one is not a play that is very threatening to, to the Philadelphia Eagles or any of their Eagle fans. It's, it's an automatic conversion, right, with the tush push. 
other teams make it difficult. So the Cowboys decide they're going to run the, the quarterback sneak with that press pass. It was a feeble attempt at a quarterback sneak, and we didn't know whether he got it or not. They gave him a favorable spot. The interesting part about that was uh, had he been stopped – the, the Eagles would have gotten the ball uh, half the distance of the goal line on that penalty, uh, but instead they ruled that he got it uh, on that play. So, like, take me through the, that moment where you're watching that situation. Well, I was, I was <laughs> eager to see whether or not they were going to challenge the spot of the football or not because we saw the way the play ended. But if they get the first down, excuse me, if they don't get the first down on that play, then it actually gets assessed after the yeah, play the happens. Eagles ball, so the Eagles get the ball, but the minus distance the, to the goal line based on the penalty to buy. Right. Well, first off, I didn't like the call because they missed the original call. We, when we were talking about it, it should have been offsetting penalties. But unfortunately, just like it is in just about every major contact sport, they only catch the retaliatory play, which was unfortunately on Bayer. Bayer's got to be smarter than that. He was thrown to the ground. If he just jumps up, throws his hands in the air, maybe he gets the call. But instead, he got smacked in the mouth, wanted to smack somebody else in the mouth in return. I don't blame him for it, but that's just the unfortunate way that it played out. They always get the guy retaliating, not the guy initiating. Yeah, so then the downs kind of turn over again. They get another fourth and one situation there, and that's the pass that doesn't get in the end zone. Mm-hmm. If you're a Cowboy fan, you look at this game and go, well, how many situations did we give away today? There was, I mean, look, the way I look at this game, is that when there's a lot of trash talking going on between the two fan bases going into Eagles-Cowboys game, this is the worst nightmare for the Dallas Cowboy fan base because this game was the perfect example of how many times you could choke in just a (laughs) brief 60-minute period. They gave so many good examples of choking this game away that the Eagles fan base will dine on this till they meet up again in, what, four weeks? There's no surprise, though. Oh, no surprise. Listen, there's no surprise. This is who Dallas is, Mm -hmm. you know. They're going to puke on their shoes every single time, every week you, you turn around. They're, they're like Slept Rock, you know, and, and Murphy's Law is <laughs> always Slept Rock and, again. <laughs> and, and, and Murphy's Law is everything <laughs> is in effect with them in every single way. I mean, there's no way the way that the Eagles, you know, fell apart at the end of that game that they had any, any business losing that game. You get all the way down to the six-yard line and you got an opportunity to score a touchdown to go ahead and win the game, and then you – precipitously go backwards, you know, and then you got what? I, I forget what it was, like third and goal all the way way back, you know, on the 25 to 20-yard line from the six. 26. Uh, it's uh, just unbelievable. But, you know, that's that's who the Dallas Cowboys are. That's who they are. They're, if there's a way for them to mess it up, a way to lose it, a way to screw it up, <laughs> a way to muck it up, they're going to find a way to do it. They're, they're, that's just their M.O. That's who they've been for the last 25 years. It so really, we, so we can pretty much dispose of them as a threat in the N- NFC. Can we dispose of them like well, right now and, and move on to who are the other what teams that record? might be able to challenge? Are, are they f- five, five and three? Cowboys? Five and three. Five and three. Yeah, they're they're five, five and three. Five and three Eagles, eight they're, and one. They're they're two five, games. five and three. Yeah, the Eagles are three and oh in the division. The Cowboys have one loss in the division. You know, I mean, who are the Eagles losing to? Even if they split with the Cowboys, you know, they're still going to come out on top. Just record-wise, the head-to-head wouldn't even matter. You know what I'm saying? So it's like they're not our concern until we play them again in in four or five weeks. Our main concern is trying to figure out, you know, how we're going to navigate what Steve Spagnuolo is now going to throw at us. Because to me, he is one of the most creative defensive coordinators in the National Football League, and he had a blueprint for what to do with Jalen, even though Jalen had a hell of a Super Bowl. 
He's got cornerbacks that play aggressive. He's got safeties that play aggressive. And he's got a stable of linebackers that are not afraid to make plays. So that's got to be the focus. The coaches are going to go into self-scouting mode to kind of figure out, okay, you know, let's look at the numbers and see, you know, where we've been, um, you know, where we've been predictive throughout the first nine weeks of the season, and then let's make some adjustments as we go along. What changes can we make? What can we, what can we add to the repertoire of what we do well and what we like to do to add a run play or a pass play for offensive coordination? And then defensively, the big thing is just they got to get healthy, man. They, they, they have to get healthy. They got to get healthy enough. I don't know if James Bradbury is unhealthy or, you know, they preach – you know, can't give up the big play because a lot of times, precipitously, that's what happens. When something's preached to you, don't, 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 that's the thing that normally happens more than anything. But he has just not looked good, you know, the last three or four games. And they've got to get him back. You know, I'm, I'm more worried about him than I am Eli Ricks and, and, um, and Sidney Brown. You know, I don't expect for Sidney Brown to really thrive in, in, the, um, in, the, in the slot. I really don't, but they're trying to get him as much, as much practice and as many reps as they can because they've been so beat up there. Because if you lose Eli Ricks, now you're going to have to play him there. You know, even Eli Ricks is a young guy, and he's trying to figure it all out. But there's just so much going on with this defense, and how, how, they fi- how do you figure it out? They can't stop the run in the four-man front. They have to get in the five-man front to stop the run, you know, and then – you know, that makes you weaker on the back end because that's one less guy you got in coverage unless you're going to drop Hassan Reddick or you're going to drop, you know, Nolan Smith. So it's, they got some things they got to figure out because these, these, these offenses they're about, to, they're about to face, these are the type of offenses they're going to have to beat if they think they're going to win Super Bowl 58. All right, let's take a break. And um, the diamond debate is coming our way. And also John McMullen, don't forget, will uh, – uh, we'll hear from John as he covered today's game at Lincoln Financial Field. And also, uh, Bryce Harper showed up today uh, at the yard. And, and Bry- I saw Bryce was in the, like, sweet end. He did the, uh, he did the you know, <laughs> Phillies player. He did that. Yeah. Did you see they billed him as Phillies player? Did they? Bryce Harper? Phillies player. Not, not two-time Harper. MVP or anything, you know. Phillies player. Yeah, who right, said that? The Thanks. Eagles. Well, they put him on the Fanavision. Mm-hmm. They dubbed Phillies him as player. Philly's player, Bryce Harper. Oh, come on, man. You got to give that man more respect than that. Football yeah. player, Seth Give him respect that he's still in Philly in November. <laughs> Listen, Normally, it's like warmer true. climbs in Las Vegas. Hey, Mike, <laughs> Mike, but this is the reason why he's so beloved in the city. Because while everybody else is tucked tail and ran, he's right here to face the music. He's out supporting the team the same way that the guys came out and supported him. God, that's, what, that's why he's so beloved. That's why he can, like, screw something up and everybody, oh, that, you know, well, he, he gets it right more than he gets it wrong. You're he, right. Like he, that, pl- that play in the playoffs where he overran second base against the Braves. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember what yeah. play you talking about. <laughs> but he wasn't, a, he wasn't a sweet, though. I mean, yeah, he was in a sweet. He was, out, he was out in the masses last week. He knows better. Uh, Kenny, yes. He, 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 he was knows, at the Flyers game. Yeah. yeah. Listen, he knows, he knows which games to be outside and which games to be in. <laughs> you don't want to be in that. 
I guess he can make you, a. La- you don't want to be he, in that stuff, Dallas week. <laughs> yeah, he could probably make a last minute call and get a ticket. Uh, it is the Pondland Hockey Eagles post game show uh, coming up. Kayla's Diamond Debate. Bill Calarulo will also join us on the set right here. Eagles win it in survival mode today. I don't know how they did it, but they did survive, and now they are seven and eight, eight one. Uh, as they went today, uh, 28 to 24, was it? Three. Three, 23. 23. <laughs> uh, back after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling. Asking the right questions to find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. You are watching the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show live at Ocean Casino. You're watching us either at 6ABC.com or on the Jacob Media Sports YouTube channel. 28-23 was your final today. And uh, Bill Calarulo has joined us on the set. Now, Bill, I, I want to ask you right out of the shoot. Um... After, after we talk about the player you can bank on, Farsi, and I want to ask Bill a very important question. All right, okay. so the player, the player you can bank on brought to you by the First Trust Bank. I'm going to have to say <laughs> it's, it's Brandon Graham. Now, he, he didn't do a lot, 
But in the end, he showed up, made a, made a couple really interesting plays there to get sacks. And as it turned out, Dallas had another chance after that. Mm -hmm. But he shows up. Yeah, no, I mean, if you're talking about a guy you could bank on, who better to bank on than a guy that knows more about this rivalry than really anybody else on the roster, and that's obviously Brandon Graham. Obviously showed up in a huge situation, but i got to say this. For a guy we have talked about a lot, or excuse me, a position we have talked about a lot, linebacker, I would never expect a guy like Zach Cunningham, even though he's played very well, to show up the way he showed up in the fourth quarter. You constantly saw he had three plays stopped in a row when the Cowboys were in the red zone, when they were unable to get that touchdown, when they went for it in the situation where we were debating whether or not that was the right call or not by Mike McCarthy. They went for it. He was one of the players in to make sure that they made that stop. So Zach Cunningham, i got to say today, especially getting more snaps from the Kobe Dean, again going out with another foot injury, I thought Zach Cunningham really showed us a lot today. I'll go with him as a player to back hey, on. Hey, Farzee. When the Kobe Dean, when they announced that Kobe Dean was coming back, what was the question that I asked him pregame that first week? Oh, uh, why? What, no, what was, <laughs> what, no what, what was the question? Uh, I, first week of the season? I don't, I, no, I don't know. You first, got me. The first week when the Kobe Dean was coming back off the first Oh, the, the question you would ask is they got a decision to make. Who are you going to start? Because Zach Cunningham and Nicholas Morrow had both played a lot better than we had originally anticipated at the start of the season. And the Kobe Dean did not really get to the level we'd like to see him get at. Now, again, injuries have played out, but you're right. When it comes to that first week of the season, you saw the injury and the guys were coming back. Who are you going to really, really be relying on as a linebacker? Listen, they're, they're going to talk about last week. Oh, you know, he had 12 tackles and he led the team. But, you know, most of those tackles were, you know, 10, 15 yards down the field. That's non, you know, that, that's non-productive in my, in my opinion. You know, that's free as, safety territory. It's well, not I mean, linebacker territory. Yeah, I mean, Reed Blankenship should be making those tackles in that area, not N'Kobe Dean. You know, so and, and I've said all along that the two guys, you know, uh, Morrow and Cunningham were playing well. And now you insert both of those guys back in now because N'Kobe Dean is injured again. And they had they both played well again. You know, so I'm of the opinion. I know that the Eagles want N'Kobe Dean to be, you know, their guy. You know, yeah, you spent a third round draft pick. Here we go with that again. You spend a third-round draft pick on the guy, and you want him to be the guy, you know, more so than he can really be the guy. I haven't seen it. I just have not seen it. I've seen two other guys, Zach Morrow, three sacks in a game. Zach Cunningham, well, Nicholas, Nicholas Morrow. Morrow yep. Zach Cunningham showed up big today, okay, with an extended, with extended play. Now, do they need some more depth? Yes, but I think that those two guys have earned the right to be the starting two linebackers and the guys that get the majority of the play, even when the Kobe Dean is healthy, okay? Because, again, if you want to talk about meritocracy and the best players on the field, the best players get the play, then that means that those guys have been more productive than he's been, even when he's healthy. So that means that they should get the lion's share of the play. Forget about the draft pick and the expectations for what you want. If you're into winning, then you play the best players. That's it's that simple. All right, uh, let's give. We're gonna get back to this in a second because I, uh, you know, that's Derek Gunn saying he's got draft pick protection, and that's the reason why they're gonna roll with him. Wham, wham, uh, wham, yeah, wham, I understand wham. it. Uh, so Bill, I, I want to ask you this question because it, it, it occurred to me that the Eagles in the fourth quarter were more inclined to protect the lead rather than try to put the game away. Did you get the sense that they lacked offensive aggression once they had that lead and when they scored the two touchdowns in the third quarter? I did, and, and you guys may disagree with me, but I didn't hate it in the fourth quarter because you're going up against a defense like the Dallas Cowboys, who we said in the pregame 
is an extremely opportunistic defense. They've won games this season by causing turnovers. So the last thing you wanted to do was give them an opportunity to change that game with a turnover. Unfortunately, it almost happened when DeAndre Swift ran into A.J. Brown, which I don't know what happened on that play. But I didn't mind the play call. And look, we sat up here in the pregame, pounded on the table, run the football, run the football, run the football. They ran the ball 33 times. They only threw it 23 times. I liked the balance. I had some questions with a third and three play call late in the game. Don't know why they didn't just run that twice. Yeah, it was the one they threw. They threw a kind of a yeah. deep sideline shot. But I was okay. A-J. I was okay with the play calling. But I'll tell you real quickly, you guys talk about the player to bank on. I don't know how we don't go with Jalen Hurts. We sat up here at the halftime show, me and Farzi and Kayla saying, is Jalen Hurts even coming out right. at halftime? Not only does he come out at halftime, he goes six of seven on two drives, throws two touchdown passes, and that's really what changed the entire outcome of this game was what happened early in the third quarter. So a player to bank on, Jalen Hurts. And after the game, I don't know if you guys saw the quote, he said he would do anything for this team and anything for this city. Gave me goosebumps. <laughs> Jalen Hurts. Bill, let me tell you something. You knew darn well he was coming out, man. He's a warrior. You knew he was coming out. Because he's a player to bank on, yeah, Seth. Listen, <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. But where I don't agree with you is the conservative nature of the play call. You know, th- See, the Eagles had this problem last year. They had this issue last year. Last year they would get a lead. You know, the defense would play prevent. And we get conservative on the offensive side of the ball. And before you know it, in the fourth quarter, we were, in a, we, were, we were in a game again where it didn't seem like it should be a game. See, so when I look at teams like Miami and I look at teams like Kansas City and I look at teams like Buffalo, when they get a lead, they keep trying to stack points on top of points on top of points until they make you understand and realize that no matter how much hope you think you got, you really don't have any. Okay, because we've just we've just squeezed your neck and squeezed any little bit of life of you even thinking that you can come back in this game completely out of you. Okay, the Eagles don't do that, and then they ain't got the audacity to turn around and play real conservatively defensively. Oh, we're gonna give you 15 yards here and 10 yards here and 20 yards here, you know. And then when we get down in in the red zone, then we're gonna try to tighten up. No, because what you're doing is football is a game of momentum. And when you take momentum away from yourself and allow the other team to have momentum against you, anything can happen. You're just one, one bad punt, one turnover, just one bad play away from this game going in the opposite direction. And I can hear the people now, oh, he's bitching and complaining about the fact that you know, the Eagles are 8-1. and one. Okay, okay. Y'all going to get sick and tired of, you know, second-guessing me because, you know what, it, it, always, it always comes full circle. It always comes full circle. It came full circle in the Super Bowl. Oh, all Seth Jordan wanted to do is blitz. We had no answer for Patrick Mahomes in the second half, none. And if we had any kind of blitzing about us, we could have won that game, okay? Now, they don't want to run the football. Okay, there's going to come a point in time where, you know, oh, we need to run the football. But now, oh, they're 8-1. and one. Why are you complaining? I'm just analyzing what I see because I know that with eight games left in the season, what, how things can turn out and how things can shift in a game in just a matter of possession. I agree with you. I, I thought, see, well, part of the reason I agree with you is because the Dallas secondary started clutching and grabbing. 
And you know, how many defensive holding penalties? They were, they started to trail the play. So I thought you could have milked A.J. Brown a lot more because nobody's going to stay with him. And Devontae only got three targets today. So that's when I talk about the aggression. Yeah, you could have run the ball a couple times. But I, I just thought you had to get those wide receivers on, on those cornerbacks who started to, to grab a little bit and, and get called for penalties. Mike, that. you know what I'd like to see? You know what i like to the adjustment in the second half of the season i like to see? i like for the Eagles to figure out a way to get Jalen Hurts under center more instead of living 95 to 98% in the shotgun. Like, I've I seen him run it a couple of times today, but I think if they get him under center, that, you know, when they go 12 personnel, you know, one back and two tight ends, some of the misdirection things that they can do, they really don't have a true play-action nature to their offense because they play out of the shotgun all the time. But if you're under center, now you can stick that ball out, hide it, you know, and now raise up and get what you want down the field. That's the added element that I think that they need to implement on the offensive side of the ball. And if they did, especially with Jalen playing from the pocket the way that he is, and now you don't have to worry about taking the ball at four yards and taking one step back. You can line him up under center. Now he can drop seven to eight yards where he can see everything that's coming that's going to allow him to manipulate the pocket a lot better and allow you to get some misdirection things, you know, with your tight ends and your wide receivers. No, I agree with that. The only play action they have is on the RPO. That's the only play, anything like play action, I should say, that they actually run. But, Mike, to your point about a lack of aggression, we talked about the play by Shoemaker being brought down just before the goal line there by Reed Blankenship. The play that we've had a lot of issues with here is that uh, tush push that they had with Jalen Hurts where he ended up going for two yards. They gave the ball to DeAndre Swift, who ended up getting a couple yards. They missed the throw to Lamade Zacchaeus. It looked like it went through about five different people. Should have never went Should have never made the throw. I agree. <laughs> not and to him. Not to him. Well, it should have went to A.J. Brown. It should have went to A.J. Brown. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Not to him in that situation. But on the next play, they ended up going to uh, uh, Devontae Smith on another short throw that would have been the quote-unquote extension of the run game. And then they ended up giving the ball back to Dallas on that three and out. Then they did another three and out, and that's when they went with the deep ball to A.J. Brown. Can't, can't nothing have, there. Can't have an extension of the run game to a wide receiver. On a third oh, down. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> technically, it's got to be. Technically, it's got to be. That's a third down, too. I mean, I don't know. You work, maybe you work at that play a little earlier mm-hmm. in, in the count. The, the, yeah, I agree. The biggest problem I'm seeing here, and we're saying whether or not they should have been more aggressive or not, if their running game is working, we wouldn't be saying this. Their running game has not really worked over the last six games now. I was pounding on the table after three games, and everyone said, hey, calm down, calm down. <laughs> it's now been the last six games. Look at the running back's yards per carry over the last six games. I don't know what the problem is. 3.9 yards per carry, 3.6 yards per carry, 2.35 yards per carry, 3.4, 2.9, and 3.1 tonight. This dominant offensive line that we love to talk about it's not there right now these running backs are not averaging enough yards per carry and it's not because of the tush push i'm taking jalen hurts carries out of the equation what's the problem is it because they're not calling enough rpos is it because of cam jurgens but we wouldn't even be sitting up here questioning their aggressiveness if this running game was working effectively they would have been picking up four yards a pop getting first downs Going into those four-minute, five-minute drives, it wouldn't even have been an issue. Listen, it's, it's hard for the running game to work because, you know, the running game is like anything else. If you can't commit to it and you don't run it with any kind of regularity, like, I mean, you go back to the first series. You know, they went 13 plays, um, 77 yards, 12-yard um, touchdown to game well, okay? 
I, I don't know yet because I haven't done the done the work. When I get my game book, then I'll be able to extrapolate all the numbers out. But I would like to know in that situation, how many times did you run the ball there? And I would venture to say that they had some pretty good balance in that first that first series. Okay, but beyond that, beyond that, they didn't have a lot. Let's say that they had 13 plays. Let's just say that six of them were runs. Okay, do you realize that the running backs in the first half only had 12 called running back runs in the first half alone in four series for 43 yards and one touchdown, Bill, and 3.5 yards of carry ain't all that bad, you know, if, you're, if you've got some kind of consistency about yourself. But the problem with the Eagles is they will, they will use the running game, you know, early, and then all of a sudden they'll get away from it and get pass happy. And then they realize that they've been overly aggressive with the with the passing game. And to Mike's point, they come out after halftime and they make it they, they make it a, a determination to try to run the ball in the second half early. With Rashad and, Penny. Yeah. And, and and then all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden, you know, they'll go like Rashad Penny ripped off six yards. Then he lost a yard. Then they decided to just throw it the rest of the way. Yep, that'll be enough. I was thrilled with 12 carries, man, to the running backs. Last week they gave them three. I get you. Trust me. <laughs> thrilled I get with you. 12. Well, let's look at that. Are, are, they, are they reliable enough in, in their uh, substitutions with running backs? Now, now uh, DeAndre Swift carried 18 times a day. There, there's going to come a point in time where DeAndre is going to get shut down in games, right? We've seen that before where somehow he gets shut down, whether he's tired a certain game or whether, you know, like he needs a break, whatever it is. Uh, and then they got Gainwell. They only gave the ball three times today. Boston Scott missed the game for personal reasons. They had to use Penny. Uh, is the rotation reliable enough? I think you can bank on it when it comes to the amount of times they're willing to give DeAndre Swift the football. Because, I mean, how many weeks in a row now are we looking at a situation where he doesn't get – he gets 15 to 18 carries. That seems to be the number that they are most comfortable with. And, Bill, I know you broke these numbers down earlier in the season, but that's about the number that they relied on him with the Detroit Lions. And now the Eagles are looking at him with the same type of strategy to almost conserve him. I don't know if it's for later in the season. I don't know if it's for this quote-unquote gauntlet that they're facing here over the next, over the next five games now of the season. But when it comes to the rotation – DeAndre Swift should be the clear-cut RB1 of this football team. That I have the issue with. I know still when they get into the red zone, they like to rely on Kenny Gainwell. When they have the short-yarded situations, they like to rely on Kenny Gainwell. I'll say this. As somebody who has really doubted Rashad Penny and was saying that much uh, in the pregame today, he showed me at least that he could get to that line of scrimmage then beyond a little bit with that run that he had. But then the next one he had mm, wasn't that great, and they decided not to give him the ball again. I think Boston Scott is eventually just going to get those numbers back, get those carries back when he's back in the lineup, when he doesn't have a personal uh, issue. But as far as the rotation goes, they seem to have set numbers when it comes to DeAndre Swift and a set position for Kenny Gainwell on third and shorts, fourth and shorts, if they don't run the tush push, and in the red zone. They've, that, to me, is mind-boggling, though. They've always had that. It's mm -hmm. been that way since Doug Peterson's been here. You're very rarely going to see a running back, you know, that carries the ball more than – 16 to 18 times per game because I guarantee you the analytics or the sports science say that the probabilities of guys getting injured in a game go up exponentially once they get up. Now, you had you could go all the way back. I can give you two games, you know, since the Doug Peterson era into this era. There's only been two games where a running back has got the ball more than 25 times. LeGarrette Blunt in week three of 2017, okay, and um, and and DeAndre Swift in his, you know, 200-yard game 
against Tampa Bay where he had 25 carries or 28 carries or something like that. Now, that was a necessity because Gainwell was hurt and out. And in some ways, I don't get the sense that they really trust Boston Scott. I don't understand why not. The guy doesn't do anything but just make plays. You can't just keep him around to be a giant killer, you know, every single year. The kid can flat out play. But they, they believe that Kenny Gainwell is a better back than he is, you know. But I, I, would, I would imagine if, if, if the Eagles are only going to run the ball 18 to 20 times a game, and, it, and, and Bill, you, you, you alluded to the number, the 33 times they ran today for 109 yards. I would venture to say if you extrapolated the numbers out and you took Jalen Hurts' number away, that you wouldn't be anywhere but somewhere within the 22 to 24 carries. You know, I, I, my thing is my quarterback, my running backs are my running backs, okay? Let's not talk about the, the quarterback running the ball. Even if you're talking tush-push, even if you take it out, even if you call a call running play for Jalen Hurts when he's healthy, okay? The run game is defined unless you're running RPOs, and they clearly aren't running RPOs with Jalen injured. You know, the running game is defined by the running back, okay? And if you're averaging 65 to 75 plays a game, 20 plays, 22 runs is just not enough to balance it out to make it make sense. I mean, so you're telling me that we're, we're basically going to run the ball five to six times per quarter? That's not enough. That's not, that, that's not enough for me as a defensive coordinator or me as a defensive player to even believe in, in, in you even running the ball, you know? So my mentality is different. Well, let's go get the quarterback and let's play the run on the way to the quarterback. I, I agree with everything. The one thing is you could always depend on Miles Sanders getting the ball in the red zone. The fact that Kenny Gainwell is getting red zone carries over DeAndre Swift, that to me is what is mind-boggling. We have questioned his productivity, and we've questioned it out loud, and Nick Sirianni is standing on a pedestal for him, okay? Now, he had a great run today. I'm not, he had a great run on that first down, you know, on that third down run. But, but the overall production that says that he should be the sole number two back, that's yet to be proven. But Nick Sirianni, he's the type of guy that, hey, you're going to call out my guy? We believe in Kenneth Gainwell. We, we, we believe in him as a player, you yeah. know, and we don't care what anybody says. We're going to leave him out there. But, okay. But is there a problem with the offensive line? I know we keep talking about the running backs. We're blaming Kenny Gainwell. We've even blamed some of the play calling, which I've had my issues with. But is there an issue with the offensive line when it comes to run blocking? Because they're just not putting up anywhere near the amount of yards per carry that they did last season and even in that three-game stretch to start the year. So I think, I think personally what part of it is is, you know, you got to look at the box. You know, a lot of times the Eagles will, they don't spread you out to run it. Sometimes, you know, they'll tighten up the box so that they get A.J. Brown and Julio Jones in there to do the blocking. The problem with that is, the closer you bring those guys to the box, the more bodies you have around the line of scrimmage, you know? So if I've got you in man coverage, Bill, and I see you go block, my job is to replace. So then there's nobody there to, to pick me up. I got it. So, so then what winds up happening is, you know, you get, you get a tackle for a loss rather than a successful play. Why are we not sp spreading people out, okay? And why aren't we looking at the defense and saying, oh my God, they're in too high safety. 
anytime they're in too high safety, that means that they got six in the box. We got six in the box. We're man on blocking. Let's run the football. But they don't do that. They wait till they got single high and they got seven or eight guys in the box, and then they're trying to run it like bumping their head up against the wall. I know you got to go to break. All go right. ahead. Let's take a quick. That's all right. I like, I like the <laughs> Seth gets on a roll. I'm good with it. Uh, Kayla Santiago will be here with the, the diamond debate right after this on the Pontla Hockey Eagles postgame show. Don't go away. We're back after this. Hey, Philly, it's Tom Giordano from Pond Lee Hockey. Follow us on Instagram for your chance to win free Eagles tickets all season long. That's right, I'm talking regular season, playoffs, and even the Super Bowl. So follow us on Instagram for your chance to win free Eagles tickets. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey, the largest workers' compensation law firm in Pennsylvania. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. Even better, Pondley Hockey doesn't charge a dime until you win. If you've been injured at work, give Pondley Hockey a call. Hello. And welcome. To the Diamond Debate. With Liam and Hillary. In the heart of Montgomeryville, Pennsylvania. What you got for us today on your right hand, Hill? Today, we've got a right hand ring, Liam. What is that? It's a ring that you would wear on your right hand. That's it? That's all there is to it. Okay. <laughs> it's what? meant to balance your left hand situation, or if you're not engaged or married, it says, I'm not engaged or married, but I still have this over here that's sparkly. There's a lot of other ways you can say that. No, I'm not, if you're trying to wear jewelry, which okay. one's your favorite? I love this um, Art Deco moment, I mean, with these beautiful baguettes and round diamonds. I mean, who wouldn't say no to one of these? Baguettes are hot right now. People also love an eternity band. It's beautiful. Great for the other hand. That's right. So come on down here for Love Bros here at Mark's Jewelers. Every day of the week except Sundays and Mondays. That's supposed to be our clothes. My name's Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at Drytech. At Drytech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing, the second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs, and then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give Drytech a call or check us out online. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Hooters, the perfect pair. 
Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. All right. So welcome back to the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino. Um, Derek Gunn is not with us today, and uh, our prayers go out to D. Gunn and his family. He's dealing with a, a family emergency. So, D. Gunn, uh, you're missed. Um, so, our best wishes and our prayers go with you and, and the family. And, of course, everybody watching shares the same sentiment. But we have uh, Mark Farzetta here, and we have Seth Joyner here. And joining us now on the set is Kayla Santiago for the Diamond Debate. Brought to us by Mark's Jewelers. Uh, go to Mark's Jewelers to get the right engagement ring and the right diamond. Hello, Kayla. How are we today? I'm great. It's a good win, not a great win. I'll say a win <laughs> is a win at the end of that one. But make sure you all go to Mark's Jewelers, especially the holiday season is coming up. You want to be able to get everything there, especially those pearls. That's one of my personal favorites. One you're going to want to shop for this holiday season. But let's get into the diamond debate right now. We're going to first start off on the defensive side of the ball completely exposed here today on the Dallas offense. What do you think is the issue right now? Do you think it's the current scheme? Do you think it's the personnel? Seth, I know you're a defensive guy. I'm going to start with you. Um, to be honest with you, you know, listen, they played a great game against the run. You know, Dallas had 73 yards rushing. Um, I just feel like they just need to be more aggressive on the defensive side of the ball. They've got to figure out in the run game how they can stop the stop the run in their four-man front without having to always go to the five-man front. Um, and you know, the last two the last two games, the Eagles' pass rush didn't was was dormant until the end of the game when they really needed it. You know, Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat turned it up last week. BG turned it up tonight. Um, you know, they got to figure out a way if they cannot get pressure with four on third and third down situations, you know, then they're going to have to figure out, you know, how to start dialing up some blitzes, you know, to get pressure and get there. Because the longer that quarterback holds on to the ball, I can remember James Bradbury tonight and for mm -hmm. all the all the negative heat that he's taken, you know, I'm watching and Dak Prescott is standing in the pocket. He's patting the ball and then he gets outside the pocket. You know, we're complaining about James Bradbury. I'm like, I'm telling you right now, CeeDee Lamb had two alternate moves after his initial route. You can't cover that. There's not a there's not a cornerback anywhere that can cover that. So that means that you're not getting enough pressure up front to allow the effectiveness of the coverage to actually aid in you being able to get to the quarterback and forcing the issue with the quarterback. So, you know, those are some areas that they're going to have to look at. If you can't ramp up your pass rush, then you're going to have to start dialing up some pressure. And I think right now these guys, they seem a little bit banged up. We looked at Jordan Davis was holding his hamstring throughout that game. He comes back out. Hassan Reddick went down for a moment. Even Bradbury, Darius Slay, it did not look good. But now they go into the bye week. Why do you think this bye week is going to be so important for them, not only to get healthy, but what are the certain things you need to work on the defensive side of the ball? I know it's a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, as far <laughs> as the health point of it goes, I mean, obviously you got to get healthy during this bye week and then mm -hmm. you got to come out. And then they also have the extra day considering the Monday night matchup against Kansas City Chiefs. So when you look at it like that, yes, the injury factor plays into it, the health factor plays into it. Also, the coach is figuring out 
what player is put in each position mm -hmm. and what is the best position to put that player in. For instance, Sidney Brown being asked to be the slot corner against CeeDee Lamb, that is just a crime against humanity when it comes to a play like that. That is awful. And you know Sidney Brown is going to be the guy, if he's in the slot, you know they're going to attempt to play physical on uh, a guy like CeeDee Lamb. It was telegraphing what the strategy was every single time you line him up in that situation. So every time you saw it, Seth, that's where you saw the double moves. All right, you want to try to jam me at the line of scrimmage, which was few and far between? I'm going to make a double move. I'm going to be able to get around it. Or every time you see an offense try to run a play similar to a pick play, but they get away with it, they tried that twice in this game with C.D. Lamb in the slot, and then you having a guy like uh, Sidney Brown trying to be the guy to be able to make, the, make that stop. So it was telegraphed. The other part of it was Eli, uh, Eli Ricks was just outmatched. And I was very impressed by the way he played against uh, a guy like Tyreek Hill a couple of weeks ago. But in this game, he was far and away outmatched. I thought the Eagles got as close to cracking the code in this particular game against C.D. Lamb when they had Darius Slay for a short period shadowing him and following him. I know that gives away other things, but I thought that was the best possible matchup they could have thrown in that direction. If they'd done that throughout the entire game, you're not looking at at least a 190-yard game from C.D. Lamb. You're probably still looking at about like 120, but maybe not 191 yards by him. So I think during the bye week, obviously get healthy. And then with whatever players you get back healthy after the bye, make sure you are doing the thing that every coach says is a cliche, putting them in the right position to make plays. They didn't do that tonight. I think that what they have to do is they've got to figure out a way that when you have an elite-level wide receiver and you're going to give Darius Slay that responsibility. See, the problem is there's only there's certain coverages that you can run from that. Like if he's going to lock up on, on, on CeeDee Lamb one-on-one, -on -one, because he's in the slot or wherever he is, then that means that, you know, that's an automatic tell for the quarterback. He knows that they're in man coverage. So the trick is, how do you have Darius Slay be able to travel with him wherever he is, but you have the ability to run all your other coverages with everybody else? So if you can't trust an Eli Ricks on the outside or Darius Slay is, doesn't know what he's supposed to do in the slot in a zone concept, which I find that hard to believe, you know, as long as he's been around, it's probably more about the rookies. You know, so now you got an extra week. Now you can kind of implement that because you, you're going to face that with some of these other teams. You're going to face the Dallas Cowboys again. You're going to face a Debo Samuel or a, you know, IU, you know, where you may want to take one of these guys away. And if you have the ability to not only have Darius travel with their best player, and not just show man coverage, but to be able to run everything else in the package from there. Whether that's him blitzing off the edge and you running a zone concept behind it or whatever it is. Because normally, you know, every once in a while, they will blitz Sidney Jones or they'll blitz, you know, a slot guy. You know, so that means that Darius has to know outside what he's supposed to do. He's got to know in the slot what he's supposed to do in every single situation, in every blitz, in every coverage, in every zone, everything that they run. And therein, you know, kind of lies the problem. And it's a good time to have a bye week right now. But, Mike, I'm going to go to you. The schedule doesn't get easier after that. So you hope Jalen Hurts included can get healthy. You got the Chiefs, the Bills, and the 49ers. What is more important to you right now? I know it's a full game, but getting that offense right, getting that line right in that run game, or fixing the defense that we saw today? The most important thing to me is Jalen Hurts gets a week to heal up. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, really, I, I, there's, there's no way I thought he was going to be 100% effective in the second half. And I really questioned whether they were going to send him out there to, to play on that. Uh, now, as it turned out, he's a warrior and he survived it. Uh, but, you know, I look at this, and they're 8-1. and one. 
trying to play Eli Rick, Sidney Brown, and Kevin Byard, who's been there for a half an hour. You know, so like, <laughs> I, you know, listen, they're up against them when they come out of a bye against Patrick Mahomes, obviously. And, and the Buffalo Bills are, you know, who knows whether they're any good or not. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers have fallen off the map, and then it's finally it's at Dallas. So I looked at that schedule, and I said, oh, my God, that's going to be killer. I don't know about it anymore. Like Kansas City, you can go, okay, that's going to be a tough game for them to win, even though they come out of a bye. But, you know, Buffalo, San Francisco, like how worried can we be about this team being 8-1, and one, surviving a game like today where they probably should have won it? <laughs> to, your, to your point on the whole idea of worry, do you think the Kansas City Chiefs looking at the Philadelphia Eagles at 8-1 going, that's a pretty good football team. We've got to be up for that one. Probably. Yeah. Still, I mean, Kansas City at home is going to be tough. Monday night, obviously. But I think the Bills are now more looking at the Eagles as that's going to be the tough team to beat. I think the San Francisco 49ers clearly now are looking at the Eagles as, yes, mm-hmm. they are the team to beat. I mean, that already, already that was going to be a huge game. Yeah. The Cowboys being it, you know, another team they're going to face down the line as well. The Seahawks being another team they're going to face down the line. The one thing we have to realize here, yes, we, we see all the blemishes with the Philadelphia Eagles, and rightfully so, because we're not measuring them simply against an 8-1 and one record. We're measuring them, set to your point that you always make, against a Super Bowl-caliber team. How will they fare in a Super Bowl when it matters most? Not just the fact that they're 8-1, and one, that's great, we're all happy that they're 8-1. and one. But when you start facing those teams like the Cowboys, like some other upper echelon teams supposedly, the Bills, for instance, the 49ers, the, the Cowboys again, the Chiefs, I believe those teams are looking at the Philadelphia Eagles the way we're looking at the rest of this schedule, which is you got to be on top of your game, you can't abandon the run, you can't have blown coverages, and you have to make sure that each game plan that is implemented for each game is going to be executed to perfection. So I think that's going to be the biggest thing going into the rest of the Do they ever shoot themselves in the foot? They have, and then yes. they recover, and they come yes. back. But very rarely do they should, like at the end of this game. They pretty much were trying to shoot themselves in the foot. It but, was a very but violent but end of this game. And everybody else in the NFL seems to shoot themselves. Mm-hmm. Dallas did it four times today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm sitting here going, oh, "There ain't one. They don't shoot themselves in the foot." Yeah, could be they got away with it at the end because they were made a couple boneheaded penalties that advanced the football. But you know, I go, "How bad is it?" Well, I'll put it like this. Eagles, what do we say this about good team? Eagles find or excuse me, Eagles find ways to win. Yes. Cowboys find ways to lose. And and so does they everybody do. else in the NFL, apparently. Everybody finds a way to lose in this Mike, league. You know, it's amazing that you actually brought that up because we talked about it in the pregame. Um, I said as I look at the schedule, depending on how the Eagles fare today, I'm I'm not really not that overly concerned about this gauntlet that we're Yeah, we were at, at first. Oh, and absolutely. Then it, it has, it's kind of dissipated. Well, it's dissipated because you got to look at these other teams. Kansas City doesn't look as prolific as they did last year. You know, Buffalo is sitting at 5-3. and three, And, you know, they're playing Cincinnati tonight. And, you know, there's no telling how that's going to turn out. You know, they could walk away from that game 5-4. and four. Um, You know, Seattle has kind of come back down to earth. They look average. And the 49ers, you know, they lost three in a row. Even they're, they're on their bye, and they're probably going to come back full strength. But, you know, I think the formula for beating them is kind of out there too. If you, can, if you can quell Christian McCaffrey in that run game, then you take away the play-action pass that makes Brock Purdy the quarterback that he is. Because now the, the, when you stop the run, there's no play-action. Where there's no play-action – the timing and rhythm and the anticipated throws that he likes to that he likes to throw, they turn into chance shots. So how many times he's he's gone what seven eight games without an interception, and then all of a sudden over the last three games he's got like five or six, you know. 
because teams are understanding. Christian McCaffrey is what makes that offense go. Everybody wants to talk about Jalen Hurts being a system quarterback. No, Brock Purdy is the, is the system quarterback because if he doesn't have that running game where he can go play action, that offense looks very pedestrian and very, and very average. Now, they got some players, don't get me wrong, but the quarterback isn't, you know, the guy that everyone thought he was going to be after his precipitous start. So, so the diamond debate – is there's a debate within a debate here. Right, and, always. And the debate within a debate is, do we worry too much about them being perfect? No. Right? Well, we, no, because we're, they're, we're, we're measuring them up. But you're right. We're measuring up against a Super Bowl standard. Yes. There ain't one. Yeah, which is <laughs> no. great. And there's not one person here that's pissed off that there ain't one. Okay, we're maybe, maybe pissed off they lost to the Jets. But I'll say this about the gauntlet and as far as measuring the standard and all that. I think the Eagles are the gauntlet. I'll mm. put it to you like that. I think the Eagles are the gauntlet. The Eagles... For all these measuring stick games and whether or not the Eagles are an upper echelon team, the Miami Dolphins went out there and wanted to prove that they're an upper echelon team. Tough. They lost to the Bills. And you know what else they did? They lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. The Dallas Cowboys had a huge opportunity. I'll use this phrase again. A red carpet of opportunity rolled out in front of them in this game, and they had multiple opportunities to win that game. Eagles take the bye. The Cowboys go and face the New York Giants and then the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> red carpet of opportunity to make up some major ground on the Eagles, and they again choked it away. So I'll say this. The measuring stick, forget about it. The measuring stick is how teams measure up against the Philadelphia Eagles. And for the Eagles, the measuring stick is the standard that they always talk about. And that standard is competing in a Super Bowl, deep playoff run and all that. So I'll say this. The Eagles are the gauntlet and to steal a line from one of my favorite <laughs> TV characters ever, Walter White. The Eagles Great are show. the danger. <laughs> Great the show. Eagles are the one who knocks. I don't disagree with you, but I think right now you look at this Eagles team and you say, okay, the passing game is there. Jalen Hurts is running the ball. You look at A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith getting way more involved today. But this run game still is not getting going. Do you think for opposing defensive coordinators, they look at this offense and say they got weapons, but it might be a little bit one-dimensional? Or do you think that the Eagles at some point can get that run game going and then defensive coordinators have more to worry about? Listen, they've got the best offensive line in the National Football League. And when they put their mind to it, you saw in week, what is it, week three and week four, you know, they were running the ball with such efficiency that Lane Johnson, if you gave him a towel, he was out there like, <laughs> he's like, run it again, run it again. So it's pretty evident what the offensive line really wants to do. Mm -hmm. But the staff doesn't see this offense as a run-centric offense in any way, shape, fashion, or form. What they see themselves as is a passing offense with the ability to run the ball, you know, as a byproduct of their offense. And that's the way they, they, they've been operating. And to your point, Mark, I'll, I'll say this before we go to a break. I think that we, as the media and we, as the fans, we have a expectation for this football team. So all season long, we've been waiting for this team to play the perfect game, for the run game and the, and the passing game you know, all to click at the same time. And for the defense, you know, to dominate against the run and get pressure in the, in the passing game and for it all to click at the same time. The game is too imperfect. And you can look at the rest of the NFL to bear that out and to prove it out. That no matter, you know, how good the Eagles are playing or how bad they're playing, other teams out there that are like have Super Bowl aspirations, I'm talking about legitimate ones, not like the Cardinals who have no shot, who started <laughs> off at the beginning of the year and said, yeah, you know, we're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, okay, yeah, right. Okay, I'm talking about the ones that legitimately have a shot. 
okay? They play imperfect football week after week after week. And you want to know the two teams in the AFC that really scares me, and, it's, and, and Kansas City ain't one of them, the two teams that really scare me is Baltimore and Cincinnati because they seem to be hitting their stride right now. Now, the Eagles have, still have time to peak. You can't tell them that they've peaked. This perfection that we're looking for, we want them to peak now. I don't want them to peak now. I just want to continue to analyze why they're not peaking. I want them peaking by the time they get to like week 15, yeah. week 16, week 17, because that's when they, they need to be at their best when they enter the playoffs. You know, these teams that are peaked now, maybe San Francisco's already peaked. Maybe they've already peaked. I want the Eagles to peak. Late I got gotcha. you. You know, I haven't even given the AFC any thought at all. <laughs> Conquered the NFC, they were good. And oh, I'm not worried about that. That's just going to show. I'm not really worried, <laughs> worried about, about the NFC. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you're right. I'm going, the dominance is in the NFC for this team. Maybe the AFC has a couple teams that could challenge them. I don't even want to think about that. But it's time for a break because on the other side, we'll have our two-minute drill. And also, John McMullen and his thoughts on today's 28-23 win over the choking <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. This is the Palmer Hockey Eagles postgame show. We're back after this. Hey, Philly, it's Tom Giordano from Pond Lee Hockey. Follow us on Instagram for your chance to win free Eagles tickets all season long. That's right, I'm talking regular season, playoffs, and even the Super Bowl. So follow us on Instagram for your chance to win free Eagles tickets. Go passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! 
Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game. And we have the best team in town. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. All righty, welcome back to the Pond La Hockey Eagles postgame show. The Eagles won it today, 28-23. to They are now 8-1, 4-0 at home. It got a little hairy at the end, folks. The Cowboys got to the six-yard line with a chance to win the game. Uh, they wound up uh, at the 26, and then they'll throw, they'll throw a desperation pass. So the Eagles win again. It is time to hear from the man who covered the game for Jacob Sports. He's at Lincoln Financial Field, and he is brought to us, of course, by Dry Tech Waterproofing. The great John McMullen joins us. Hello, John. Well, I, I mean, how, the, when, when you saw that ending, what were your thoughts? Uh, boy, yeah. I, you know, the Eagles hung on on the credit, but I do think it's, you know, I look at it from a Dallas perspective, as you mentioned, uh, Mike, you have a first uh, in five at the Philadelphia six yard line with 27 seconds left. And I'm thinking, boy, they got four shots in the end zone to win this thing. And I don't like the Eagles odds. And all of a sudden here they come, they're backing up penalty on Tyler Smith. Dak Prescott sacked for 11 yards. All of a sudden, that first and five turns into second and 21. Then you have a delay of game. Then, you know, third and 26, Dak Prescott throws it four yards short of the end zone. This is a veteran quarterback, and he kind of bailed the Eagles out um, with a number of things, uh, taking those sacks, delays of game. Obviously, the false start isn't on hand, but got to be better in those types of situations. I, I think... I got the feeling that the Eagles escaped with this. Kind of feels like that with the way it ended. No question about that, John. But I do want to ask you about a couple of injuries and if there was anything that came out after the game regarding Dallas Goddard and his arm or his elbow injury. And then Jalen Hurts. I mean, it's just undeniable at this point. I know he came out. He was running the football around in the second half a little bit. He was accurate in that second half as well. But as far as the knee goes, were anything discussed regarding Dallas Goddard and Jalen Hurts postgame? Well, with Dallas, obviously, you guys kind of saw it, and, and he was uh, immediately walked to the locker room uh, when he was injured. Uh, it was pretty clearly he was dealing with something on that forearm. You know, we got an x-ray in the stadium, and that's when he was downgraded from questionable to out. So that's not a good sign for Dallas Goddard. We'll learn officially more tomorrow, most likely, but... I'm not feeling real positivity on that one. And you guys know Jalen Hurts does not talk about his knee injury, but the best he came up with was, um, you know, selfishly the bye week comes at a great time for him. So obviously um, he's got to heal up. He's playing through it. But clearly he's not 100% from a running perspective. And, I, I you know, I said it in the pregame show. I'm going to say it now. I don't think people understand his impact on the Eagles running game because they don't run the ball well traditionally. 
they need the threat of Jalen Hurts in that plus one to make that running game go. And I think you saw it at the end of the game. They tried to run out the clock. They tried to run the football, and they couldn't do it. Um, so they need that 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 part of their offense back. But they keep persevering. And, you know, Nick Sirianni said it in his press conference. Everybody brings up our Bill Parcells. You are what your record says you are. Eight and one. 20... Seven consecutive weeks, the Eagles have had the best record in the NFL or tied for the best record in the NFL. These are the glory days of the Philadelphia Eagles, at least in the modern era. John, I agree with you 100%. You know, it's one thing to dissect how and why a team, you know, wins. It's another thing to revel in the fact that they simply just know how to win. Um that being said, N'Kobe Dean goes down again. We won't know the severity of his injury again. But, you know, I talked about it when N'Kobe Dean came back from the first injury, um, how well Nicholas Morrow and Zach Cunningham was actually playing. And I posed the question to not only you, but everybody else, um, you know, are those guys a better fit for the defense from a production standpoint and how they've been playing? Um, than N'Kobe Dean is. Do you just place him back in? Um, I felt like, you know, after N'Kobe went out, the linebackers played a lot better than they had been playing overall. And I know he had 12 tackles last week, and he led the team in, in tackles last week. But the majority of those tackles, Johns, were 5, 10, you know, 7 yards downfield. Um, that's a big difference. That's where I like to see Reed, Reed Blankenship making tackles, not my middle backer. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Nicobe hasn't played well. Now he's out again with a, a, a foot injury again. So durability is a concern. I think Zach Cunningham, first look, just feeling, I thought he played a really good game today. Um, Nick Morrow, not as much, but, you know, he had tough duty coming in for Nicobe Dean. I think before he was playing better, I agree with you, Seth. I remember when you asked me that question and I kind of uh, laughed it off a little bit because I know how the Eagles feel about N'Kobe Dean. And I was right. They played N'Kobe Dean, but I don't know if they should have. I think you might have been right um, because Nick has just been playing better. So I don't know. You know, you never want anybody to get hurt, mm -hmm. but I don't think that injury is going to affect them as much as, say, Dallas Goddard would, or or certainly, obviously, somebody like Jalen Hurts. Um, yeah, he's not played that well. And you have to be honest about that assessment. Uh, John, I, you know, we're looking at this game, and they had so many chances to win the game, the Dallas Cowboys did. The, the, the need that was short of the goal line, then Dak Prescott steps out of bounds. They gave the Eagles field position at the 40-yard line a couple times in this game. The kicker, who's, who's that, he's kicking to, to uh, Rashard Penny, and he kicks it out of bounds. Yeah. Like, uh, my, my, I guess my question, yeah. if you're covering the league this long, what's the difference between a Cowboy team that will make goofs like that and an Eagles team that will survive you know, almost every week, no matter <laughs> like what happens to them? 
Well, I always go back to Dennis Green, the, the old coach, the old Vikings, Arizona coach, um, told me, you know, winning is a habit. And I think it is. Um, and, you know, to the other side of that coin is winning is a habit. Now, the Cowboys are a very good team. Uh, but I kind of mentioned in the opening all the mistakes. Dak Prescott's been around for a long time now. You can't, you expect those mistakes out of a rookie quarterback. There was a kid in Minnesota who didn't take one rep this week, got traded for, showed up with five days, didn't even play with his team and found a way to win a football game. You're a veteran quarterback and you're taking delay of games and end of game situations. Um, if I had any hair and I was Mike McCarthy, I'd pull my hair out. Um, <laughs> You can't have that from your your lead, your on-field leader. And I think the opposite side of that is Jalen Hurts, who's so cool, so calm, so collected, even though he's fighting through injury. Um, I think that's part of the difference of these two particular teams. Winning has become a habit for the Eagles. And when they do lose, like they lost to the Jets, they're disgusted with themselves um, and they don't take it well. And I don't get that sense from the Cowboys. Look, C.D. Lamb was phenomenal in this game. We all thought he would be, but even to a greater degree. And as much as they got the ball to him, they didn't get the ball to him enough because the Eagles couldn't cover him. So it's one of those things where if something is working, you go away from it just to go away from it because you don't think it's going to work. Like I'm going to force Sidney Brown and Eli Ricks to stop CD Lamb. And even at the end of the game, the Eagles finally said, all right, we're going to put Slay on him. Um, you know, they couldn't do anything with him. And in big situations, the fourth down, they're throwing a, a fade to, um, I think it was, I think it was, Gallup at one point that they made a big throw to Tolbert who made a couple plays, but they are not the receiver CB Lamb is. And I don't know. I, I just didn't understand their process on the field. And look, Dak had 374 yards passing and three touchdowns. So people are going to pick up that box score tomorrow and say, he played a pretty good game. And I'm, I, I watched the game and I said, you know, he played a pretty poor game. So that, that's the kind of disconnect I see with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, let's keep it with the receivers, but this time on the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, obviously you look at a guy like Eli Ricks and you look at a guy like Sidney Brown, and they unfortunately a lot of, uh, allowed a lot of yards tonight, as did James Bradbury. But for the Eagles, offensively speaking, A.J. Brown, his streak got snapped tonight, six straight games of 125-plus yards that we've talked about all throughout the week. But A.J. Brown tonight, unfortunately, five catches in the first half and then only two in the second half for, I believe, a total of uh, six, uh, excuse me, seven yards, 66 yards of the game total, and I believe only eight of those came in the second half. Were the Dallas Cowboys doing something different to take away A.J. Brown, or was it just about getting pressure on Jalen Hurts? Well, I think the Eagles came out in the third. The Eagles were dominant in the third quarter. I mean, they had the ball for almost the entire quarter. They had the two touchdown drives. 
they did when they did run the ball effectively it was generally uh, certainly on that first drive um, they came out Rashad that was the Rashad Penny they started out with getting the ball at the 40 yard line because our old friend Rashawn Evans had a face mask he was here for about 48 hours on the practice squad so he's helping the Eagles out then they come out Rashad Penny for six yards Rashad Penny for two yards then it was a Jalen Hurts scramble. Then it was Swift for eight yards. Then it was uh, back-to-back uh, Swift for 11 yards. Then the, the great touchdown pass to Devontae Smith, which was a dime down the field by Jalen Hurts. So that was a real quick drive, only six plays because they got the good field position. Um, and then Dallas had a decent drive, uh, but were, was forced to punt the football and the Eagles went on the long drive where they ended up with the uh, A.J. Brown touchdown. Um, so they they completely dominated the third quarter, and then it kind of went away in the fourth quarter. And that, I, I think it was, you know, and Seth and I tried to, um, try to talk about this all the time. The Eagles had the lead at that point. They were, they were, had the, 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 Basically, when A.J. scored, they were up 28-17. So they have the two-score lead, and at that point, they're trying to get out, and they were not effective in the fourth quarter of running the football traditionally. And that's where I think Jalen Hurts and his injury really takes an impact on this offense. And they got a little bit less aggressive than they typically do. Look, they were in almost the exact same situation they were against the Jets when they tried um, to win the football game, and it ended up with the pick six that cost them the football game. This time they just went run, 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 and they almost turned it over because DeAndre Swift fumbled the last one. Tyler Steen was able to get on it. Then they punted the football and said, all right, let's try to hold Dallas. So they went the opposite way from they usually did. They didn't play well in the fourth quarter, and they didn't throw the football. And that within itself is amazing, John, because, you know, what they should have done against the Jets they did tonight and what they should have done against the Cowboys they did against the Jets in a lot of ways. And to me, that's kind of reading the situation. Zach Wilson wasn't going to beat you. Dak, you know, was just on one tonight. He was, you know, he was getting it done when he needed to get it done until they got in the fourth quarter and he started, you know, throwing up on his shoes and making, you know, bad decisions. Um, I want to talk about, you know, the the targets that the wide receivers are getting. And I get it. A.J. is a bad dude. A.J. is their number one receiver. And there's no getting around that. But sometimes I look at the targets, and they're just so out of whack. You know, A.J. Brown got nine targets. Devontae got three and caught all three. Dallas Goddard got four and caught three. DeAndre Swift, and he didn't even play in the second half damn near. Um, a lot uh, Alameda Zacchaeus, um, he got two targets. Um, and I get that AJ's your guy, and he's probably going to, you know, get even more. But I just feel like sometimes, you know, the offense, you know, could be so much more prolific if they could figure out, you know, how to. It's almost like Jalen makes a decision to go to AJ in situations where, you know, he feels stressed. Like that's the guy that I can count on to make a play happen. I think that Dallas Goddard falls in that category. 
I believe that Devontae Smith falls in that category. And I think the more that he can distribute the ball more evenly to everybody else, especially those three guys, the more effective the offense would, would be from a passing game perspective. Now, he had a great night. You know, nothing, no complaints about it. You know, pretty darn efficient. 17 for 23, 207 yards, you know, um, against one of the better pass, against the fourth-ranked pass de defense in the National Football League. But I still think, you know, if those other guys could get, you know, a few more targets per game, I think that that would help the passing game exponentially. That's just my opinion. Well, in today's game, they only had 21 targeted throws. So um, they didn't throw it a lot um, because of the, the nature and the personality of the game. Um, so typically that'll take care of itself when they're throwing the football 40 times. But, I, you know, I got to tell you about the balance thing, and I brought it up with C.D. Lamb on the other side. He had 16 targets. I don't think he had enough. <laughs> you know, if you have a player like that and the other team can't stop him, why are you going to balance it out just to balance it out? Like, I don't want Jalen Tolbert, and I, I don't want to see Michael Gallup, if I'm a Cowboys fan, ever get another target again. <laughs> I mean – I, I don't want to balance that out. I want my best player to get the football. Now, if you do a bunch of stuff and you bracket them and you're stopping them, um, okay, then you might have to go in a different direction. But when the opposing team has given up 11 receptions for 191 yards, no, as long as he's healthy, as long as he's not tired from running so much, I'm going to keep giving him the football. Same thing with A.J. Brown with the Eagles. Uh, he has been on this historic streak, which stopped tonight. Um, never happened before, in the, happened before in the history of the NFL. I'm going to keep feeding them the football. Um, and today, the only reason it did stop is because of the, the way the game unfolded and the Eagles weren't throwing the football in the fourth quarter or otherwise he's probably up over 100 again. Um, but that kind of happens in the NFL. I'm not, you know, if I, now the Eagles are a little different than the Cowboys because the Cowboys don't have that real second compliment. And Devontae Smith is a, is a great player in his own right. Uh, Ferguson played well, their tight end, but they don't really have that second compliment at receiver. But look, if, if somebody's not stopping somebody, just keep feeding them the football. That's, that's my mentality. No, listen, John, I, I agree with you 100%. But my thing is, you know, I, I, I look at how defenses try to take away and deal with preeminent receivers today. You know, there was a time where you had an answer. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I want Ferguson and Tolbert and Gallup and everybody else to beat me. But you know what? CeeDee Lamb ain't beating me. I mean, what, 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 what do you have in your repertoire? that allows you to take away a C.D. Lamb no matter where he lines up, whether he's in a slot, whether he's lined up at X, whether he's lined up at Z. What do you have to take that guy away? Because he basically had whatever he wanted. And to your point, you know, Dallas made a mistake by stop going to him. It's not like the Eagles did anything different. There are plenty of times where I've seen him open. And it's like you got single high safety. You're shading Reed Blankenship towards him, but he's really not helping. So now when the ball's in the air, now he's breaking. Why not just take him away? Why not just go inside technique, jam him, 
get underneath. Now you got Reed over the top. You got the you got Slay on the inside, and you got Reed Blankenship over the top and everything outside. Take him away. Make him go to Ferguson. Make him go to these other guys. Beat me with somebody else. Okay. So teams don't do that. And I get it. So if they're not going to do it, then keep going to the well. The Eagles have done that on many occasions. A lot of times, you know, A.J. Brown is getting 15, 16, 14, 13 targets a game. That's a lot of targets. You know, that speaks of a defensive coordinator's, you know, inefficiency to be able to make adjustments on the fly to take that guy away. But I'm just saying from an overall offensive standpoint, I could see um, Devontae Smith, I could see his frustrations today, you know. Um, Dallas Goddard is a guy that doesn't show the outward frustration, but as one of the top three tight ends in the National Football League, I know he's got to be frustrated. So there's got to be a way that, you know, offensively you can get these other guys involved to make them a weapon so the defensive coordinators have to prepare for a wider variety of things. Because when you play against a guy like Steve Spagnuolo, you know, on Monday Night Football, I promise you he's going to have a remedy for A.J. Brown. Well, I, I, I mean, we'll see how that shakes out. We're going to see it. AJ's playing at a pretty high level. I've seen Kansas City get gashed pretty, pretty badly at times. Steve had a good day today, at least early. Um, you know, I know people in Philadelphia love Steve. Steve is the architect of two of the worst defenses in NFL history, at New Orleans and New York. Um, so a lot of it depends on talent. Um, and they're, they're pretty good, but they're not great. Chris Jones is obviously a phenomenal player. But I don't, I don't think they're great defensively, and, and we'll see how they handle A.J. But the case of, of, of the, where I do agree with you when it comes to the Eagles, the Eagles have great alternatives. So you do want to get Devontae Smith, the, the football, more. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, and we'll see if Dallas is even healthy. Uh, that's that's my biggest concern coming out of this game. But, um, yeah, today was kind of an anomaly because they only had 21 targeted throws. So, you know, if you get Devontae Smith up to six or seven, if you get Dallas Goddard up to seven or eight, is that okay? I think that's okay. Uh, but if you double AJ to 16 or, or somewhere in that range, I don't have a problem with that because, look, and Nick said it, I think, two weeks ago. Right now, the best football player on the Philadelphia Eagles, and there are a lot of good players on this team, eight and one, best team in the NFL. The best, in my opinion, is A.J. Brown. I don't think anybody's playing at a high, higher level. And we got Hall of Famers on this team, um, but nobody is playing at a higher level than A.J. Brown. And it's the same thing when I look at Dallas and C.D. Lamb. 16 targets, everybody's like, well, that's fine. No, it's not. <laughs> I watched his game. He should have got the football more. John, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, you get a week off now with the bye, and uh, we'll catch you back in, in two weeks. Thanks for hanging. John McMullen, Thanks, live guys. from appreciate Lincoln it. Financial Field with his analysis on uh, the Jacob of Media uh, and Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show. Uh, let's get a little word from Delaware uh, Valley Insurance where you can save up to 40% on your car insurance right now. Just call your partners, Fran or Jim, at Del Val Insurance. Here's how you can connect. 
My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. My wife was in an accident that changed our lives forever. She was in rehabilitation for years. She had to learn to walk again. She couldn't take care of herself. We couldn't afford a nurse. We were running out of options. One conversation with Pond Lee Hockey changed everything. They understood what we were going through and immediately helped us navigate the legal process. We can't thank them enough. Pond Lee Hockey, tell us your story. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Some say courage is something you're born with. Others say courage is something you find. In every generation throughout history, courage has been celebrated, sought after, needed. It holds the potential for a life of impact. But what if courage isn't just something you hope for or stumble upon? What if courage is something that can be shaped at a place that inspires you, where leaders invest in you, your community believes in you, and your life becomes something bigger than it could ever be alone. The perfect pair. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Oh, welcome back to the Pondland Hockey Eagles postgame show. We're live at Ocean Casino. You can see the big uh, sports book uh, right, right in the back. The Eagles are now 8-1 as they take care of the Dallas Cowboys 28-23. 
<laughs> it got really precarious at the end where everybody on earth thought they were going to blow that game, but they do survive it. Uh, it's time for Extending the Play with Mark Farzetta. Uh, Mark, first of all, tell us about the charity EBOD. Uh, EBOD is a wonderful charity, and we had the, uh, the awesome uh, experience of going out there about a month and a half ago at a golf tournament to help raise money for them, and we're now taking part of it as well. Just like any football team, the strength, of course, lies in its players. Any team working together can help combat anything, especially Alzheimer's, and help with research as well as caregiving to combating Alzheimer's as well as dementia. And this November, being uh, Alzheimer's Awareness Month, Jacob Media joined forces with the EBOD Foundation, the EBOD Foundation, to lead the charge for a cure. Your donation today not only helps support its critical mission to fund research and help others, but also enters you to win a trip to the big game in Vegas. This is your opportunity to win two tickets to the big game and two nights stay at a hotel and $2,000 for cash and expenses while you're out there. All you got to do is text the word SCORE to 833-202-9835. That's 833-202-9835 and receive info on how to enter for this fantastic trip. Together, let's triumph over Alzheimer's. And also, make sure you use the hashtags right there, Team Miss, Team Seth, Team Gun, and Team Farsi. Here's what I know. Team Joiner there, Team Seth, is, is now creeping up on Team Missinelli. Well, you know now, why. Now creeping up late in the game. You've been whining every week about it. <laughs> hey, of course man. you're going to creep up. It's like, it's like they said when they cut, cut the monkey's tail off. Won't be long now. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I was going to say the squeaky wheel gets the grease, but okay. I, I, I was, the, I was right. an all pro. I wore number 59. <laughs> Miss Nelly just had talk show hosts. Come on. <laughs> What's wrong with you people? Eagles hey, Hall of Fame. Kelly, you ever hear me say any of that? <laughs> Just sometimes when I'm listening over there, but now I'm on the desk with you guys. Really? Mark, oh. uh, I mean, you have a great extending to play today because this is a, uh, there's a, a really interesting statistic that has just been published. Jeez. Why don't you share that with us? Th- this is this is incredible. And, uh, again, just keep in mind he's done a lot of this on one leg. But let's just say, Jalen Hurts today, with this win improving to 8-1, and one, Becomes the seventh NFL quarterback since the 1970 merger to start at eight and one or better through nine games in consecutive years. He joins Peyton Manning, John Elway, Troy Aikman, Roger Stallback, and Burt Jones. And wait, there's more. Jim Kelly's also on that list. And guess what? Jalen Hurts is the youngest quarterback since 1970 to achieve that feat. Wow. That's your quarterback. Hmm. That's your quarterback, two straight years, the youngest to accomplish that feat. That is absolutely Pretty incredible. amazing, especially that, it's amazing that Burt Jones is on that. Burt Jones is on that. <laughs> My <laughs> God. 1976-1977 with, with the Baltimore Colts. Yes. Well, that's spectacular. Before, before the main Well, yeah, let's see, here's the thing. That's why, to me, like the most important thing is his health. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, when, I, when I look at it, and, and you know, the point John McMullen made is that the, the, the running game depends on so much about him because of the way the defenses look at that. If he, if he can run the football, it obviously gets a whole new dimension to your running game. And if he can't, which I thought would be a problem today, but the Dallas Cowboys wound up, you know, squandering that kind of an opportunity. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. Every once in a while you, you hear a point and you go, it's like a you know, come to Jesus moment. You go, oh, that's right. 
how many times with Gardner Minshew starting when we saw him last mm -hmm. year with the Philadelphia? Did we hear guys like Miles Sanders or other running backs talk about the impact that Jalen Hurts has in the run game? If he is not 100%, and I don't care what anybody says about the Philadelphia, about Jalen Hurts' knee, it's, a, it's an injury. All right? It might not be the most serious thing in the world. It might not, might not knock him out yeah. of games. But the bottom line is, and nobody's 100% once they play their first game of football. Seth, I'm not telling you anything there. But when it comes to Jalen Hurts, he has not been 100%. I don't even know if he's been at 90%. But he has been, to use his words last year when he had the shoulder injury, he has been healthy enough. How are you feeling? You feeling good? Good enough. <laughs> good enough is 8-1 and one in the back in back to back season. Youngest quarterback ever to do that. That is wildly impressive. And when you talk about his health, to get him back to as close to 100% as possible is absolutely the key above anything else throughout this bye Listen, week. He's not going to complain about his health because everybody's hurting, mm -hmm. you know. The injury piece of it keeps you from doing what you do effectively. But everybody's hurting, you know, at the end of the day. And this is why, you know, my expectation for the season was for Jalen to come in and be more of a pocket passer, then run all of this RPO and read option stuff. That's the next elevation, in my opinion, for him as a quarterback to be able to operate from the pocket efficiently and only use his athleticism when necessary. But we keep talking about how the run game is going to suffer without his ability to run. You know, we didn't have Jalen Hurts running in weeks three and week four when we was racking up, you know, an average of 230 yards a game running the ball. We had DeAndre Swift and, and, and Kenny Gainwell running the ball with some efficiency. So don't tell me it's not possible. We don't need that. The really good quarterbacks, the great quarterbacks, or the pocket quarterbacks, they don't do that, you know. Patrick Mahomes runs when he needs to. They don't run RPOs and read options in Kansas City. Come on, man. You know, so teach this kid, let this kid be a quarterback, and then use his legs where necessary. Th to me, that's what's going to keep him healthy. But if we keep this nonsense up of having to run him around a corner or, you know, gain the extra guy in the box, you know, and try to run him on, on draws in the, in, the, in the red zone, you're just asking for trouble. Because, you know, the odds say that sooner or later when you operate in that way, sooner or later something negative is bound to happen. So why tempt fate any more than you necessarily have to, in my opinion? Here's what he did today. He came out for the third quarter. Everybody said, well, he, my God, is he even going to play the third quarter? <laughs> right? He comes out and engineers two drives for touchdowns that put the Eagles in charge in this game. The first drive, he made a scramble throw to Swift, which was a great escape. Mm -hmm. and, and then he throws a perfect bomb to Devontae Smith at 29 yards for the touchdown. And then in the next drive, he had the short cross to Goddard, a major play for 29 yards to give him a first down. And then the swing pass to A.J. Brown for a touchdown. And this is the third quarter when we thought, my God. He might not he, come out. Can he be effective? Two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row now, we were very worried about him going into halftime. Last week, I even jumped up in our green room. I was like, get him out. He's not even close <laughs> to healthy. I'm terrified. I don't want to get him any hurt more, than, hurt more hurt than he already is. And then he comes out looking healthier than ever. I, I mean, I don't know what. Look, Aaron Andrews came out at halftime after halftime and said that he got he, uh, he, he, he knee drained at halftime or something like that. In Nick Sirianni's, or no, he got an IV, excuse me. Very different. Yeah, he got I an mean, IV. In, in, in Nick's office, in, which is a peculiar <laughs> place to get it. I mean, 
I'm no like, doctor. I, I have a communications degree. All right. That does not seem like it's the right place to do it, but I guess that's where they do it. It was, like, it was like Bud Kilmer in Varsity Blues, <laughs> right? They gave him the IV. James Vanderbeek went to bat for him. Exactly. And uh, it's a more comfortable chair in, in Nick. He can relax a little bit. He doesn't have to be it's all tense. Trainer's table. Hey, he's yeah. different. He's different. Okay. Even though you're supposed to treat all players mm-hmm. the same. That guy's making an average of $50 million a year. You don't treat him like everybody else. So, you find a nice, cushy place for him to lay down and catch his breath. Come in here to the lounger. We're working the IV. Yeah. I think he's just been absolutely phenomenal this year. And I go back to when everybody talks about the Eagles' weapons. We know what A.J. Brown can do. We know what Dallas Goddard can do. We knew last year when Gardner Minshew came in and I said I never want to see him again. I want to see Jalen Hurts all the time, every single time. He's the real deal at this point, and I think everybody is really starting to believe that. The Eagles believe it. Nick Sirianni believes it. I think the fans obviously believe it as well. But really just the NFL as a whole. I mean, he's going to be in the conversation when these teams are competing. Oh, is it Lamar Jackson against Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes against Jalen Hurts? I mean, it's not only the physical attribute, just the mental game that he brings, I think is top-notch in the league. Mm-hmm. He's phenomenal. No, I mean, listen, I, I don't know what to say. That's why I'm so worried about his health and his bone, bone bruise. All right, let's get some game balls in here because that's brought to us by the great people at Colony Pools. Let Colony Pools power wash your home. Now's a good time because it's all cruddy. You know, you get the fall, that, that damp air came in and crudded it up with that green mold on the side of your house. Colony Pools will take care of that. Also, close your pool. Now's the time you guys think about closing up that pool. I know you hate it, but you get your Kelly Green pool cover. Uh, you know, they have all kinds of other sports covers with Philadelphia sports. Let Colony Pool uh, power wash your home and close your pool. Check them out online at flywithcolony.com. All right, game balls. Uh, I, I realized that I shortchanged uh, Zach Cunningham today. So I'm going to give him a game ball. Wow. All right. Linebacker. He had 10 tackles. He had one tackle for loss. He had nine solos. That's pretty good uh, effort by, by him today. And, and I, it got by me. So I'm going to give him a game ball. <laughs> All right. You're going to go with. Uh, I sat right next to you the whole game. How the hell did he get by you? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 was eat, I was eating ice cream at the oh, time, man. I think. <laughs> I don't know what it was. <laughs> How did I miss the ice cream? That never happened. Yeah, I, I went outside to get it. <laughs> <laughs> Had a sweet tooth. Uh, as far as the game ball goes from me, I got I to gotta look at Brandon Graham. I mean, the thing that's amazing about this performance tonight from Brandon Graham is you've rarely seen him all season. You're not seeing him out there on the field nearly as much as you have in years past. Coming off his first double-digit sack season, as we know, we know the history. But to come in here with barely being able to get a sack on the season and come in here with a sack and a half against the Dallas Cowboys before the bye week to be able to make sure you're shutting down those Cowboys, after Zach Cunningham, i got to look right at a guy like uh, Brandon Graham and say that he absolutely stepped up to this Eagles team today. He gets my game ball. I'm going to have to go with Jalen Hurts, and I think that could be an obvious answer. But listen, not only the yards he puts up, 207 passing yards, two touchdowns passing as well, just the way that he was able to find different guys on the field today as well. It just wasn't the A.J. Brown game. We saw a lot more of Devontae Smith. We talked at halftime and we said, is Jalen Hurts going to come back out? Is he going to be okay? They get the ball first and he comes out and he possibly looks even better. The way that he's able to play in these situations, I'm just glad he's on the Philadelphia Eagles because I'm excited to see what he's going to do for the rest of the season. But I have to give it to him. He puts the team on his back each and every game and we really saw it here today even though he was banged up. I'm in agreement. You know, I think the way he gutted it out I think that when you looked at that injury, the, you know, the hit on his knee right before halftime, you had the sense that, you know, potentially he might not, um, you know, come back out in the second half. And you saw McKee standing there on the sideline kind of, 
you know, loosening up. And, you know, the confidence that Nick had in him, he actually burned the timeout so they didn't have to bring McKee in, you know, for one play. Um, but the way this kid grinds it out, when things look bad, you know, he'll find a way to get it done. And, you know, to be going through the pain that he was actually going through and having to get an IV, you know, at halftime to get himself ready to perform in the second half, um, I, I give him a lot of credit. I mean, he is a warrior. He's a gamer. All right, let's move now to the drive of the game. And you know, we didn't even talk about the start of this game. Uh, but the start of this game was very important. Dallas gets the ball first, three and out, first series of the game. This is exactly what the Eagles want to do. They want to get their defense on the field to get good field position. So in the first series, they score. Now, this, we're used to this now, but this is the Cowboys game. They score in the first series. But in that drive, which I think is the drive of the game, they convert two fourth downs. One of them, they go tush-push to get the first down at their own 33. Now, you know, Bryce Harper does that. Well, I was doing that when they did that because I would probably have not done that at the 33. Interestingly enough, on that touch push, they tried the hard count about four times, and then the clock's running out, boom, they execute it like it was nothing. And then later on a fourth and three at the 28 of Dallas is when he makes a nice throw to Goddard on an out for the first down, and that led to the game well sweep. So I'm going to go with that as my drive of the game. A great one. Obviously, it set the tone, Mike. Hard to disagree with it. The only one I will acknowledge other than that one is coming out in the third quarter. And, I mean, it was a brief drive. It wasn't like that one. I'm talking about now a drive that only lasted six plays and went 60 yards. And if you pointed out a bunch of times, you talk about the special teams playing into this with a kicker kicking it out of bounds and then a face mask happening here on Evans, for instance, to start that out. Uh, you see Jalen Hurts come out and start that third quarter when we were having it in question as to whether or not he's going to be healthy, healthy enough to come out and play. Rashad Penny all of a sudden appears on the field. He goes out there and he rips off a six-yard run. Then he only goes for two runs, so he gets eight, eight, eight yards right out of the gate. And then Jalen Hurts makes the scramble play for four yards. Then he buys time to be able to find a guy like DeAndre Swift down the field for eight yards. Then he hits uh, Swift again for 11 yards on that. And the next thing you know, right in the breadbasket of Devontae Smith. So forget about whether or not he's going to be able to come out and be healthy enough. He was right back in you know, MVP caliber form for those six plays. So that to me was the drive that not only was one that helped the Eagles get back you know, the lead in this game, but it was also a drive that made you feel... <sighs> about Jalen Hurts being out there and being out. Not bad. Can breathe a little bit. I'm going to have to agree with Mike, and I think I'd take that over the out-of-halftime drive only because I've probably been one of Kenny Gainwell's biggest critics, and I said, <laughs> oh, here we go once again. They're getting ready to score, and we don't see DeAndre Swift, and he shut me up real quick. So being able to see <laughs> Kenny Gainwell get that confidence, this coaching staff sees a lot in him, and they obviously like him for a reason. So being able to see that, him maybe get that confidence back, it was really good to see. And they don't utilize the run game, I think, as much as we all want them to. But seeing that in the beginning, I thought they were going to go to it a little bit more. They didn't, but definitely was one of my favorite drives of the game. I'm going to break protocol here, and I'm going to take two. Because the Eagles went in at halftime. They were down 17-14. to 14. Um, They come out. They go six plays, 60 yards, touchdown. They go up 21 to 17. They hold Dallas, you know, to a punt. They go eight plays, 32 yards. Dallas has the punt. The Eagles get the ball back again, 11 plays, 87 yards. They go up 28 to 17. In my opinion, those two drives basically, you know, broke the back of the Dallas Cowboys until we got into the fourth quarter and you started doing some goofy stuff you know, over on our side of the ball that allowed it to be more of a game than it really should have been. 
Um, because if they don't come out and do that and everything else plays out the way that it does, we're sitting here having a different discussion about this game. So I, I think the whole, the whole purpose of deferring to the second half is to be able to hopefully score some points right before the half ends and then get momentum and then come out in the second half and get the first, the first series in the second half. Well, they came out the first two series and, and just drove the ball a total of 17 plays, um, 147 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, what more could you ask for your offense to do in the second half of a football game? All right. Um, we got to take a break, and we're going to come back and close this down. But I have to say one thing. First of all, the, our, our drive of the game presented by the good folks at Rafferty Subaru, it's all about you, uh, Rafferty Subaru. Um, I, I do not understand. I, I, I think too much about this because I just loathe kickers so much. <laughs> <laughs> I just do not understand how a grown man NFL kicker can kick off out of bounds. I, I could see missing a field goal, folks, right? Because you have to kick it through uprights. There's a skill involved in that. When you kick the football off, how is it possible that you're kicking it off? And it's Rashad Penny. It's not Devin Hester that you kick the ball out of bounds. How is that possible? Let me tell you something. If I was a football player, and I know Seth is, and I know he thinks the same way I do, I'd beat that guy's ass with a, with a sock full of pennies wow. after the game for kicking it out. Wow. You, gave, you gave that field position at the 40-yard <laughs> line, Seth. Stop it. How is it possible? Hey, listen, I, I always <laughs> say the kicker's got two jobs. Kick that damn ball through the end zone on kickoffs and kick it through the uprights when you need to kick it through the uprights. That's, that's your only job. But I will give you this analogy just to kind of shed some light on it, okay? We played golf a couple of weeks ago. You were living in the fairway. How many greens you hit in regulation? Well, I didn't hit any. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not paid to be a professional football kicker. You, you, you got a point. But I'm, 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 I'm just a schmo. I'm just trying, trying to play <laughs> golf like everybody else. I'm just trying to add a little perspective to it, Mike. That's all. I got gotcha. you. All right. Stick it up for the kicker. I never thought I'd get to see him today. Uh, let's take our final break of the day. We'll come back and uh, put a wrap uh, and uh, talk about the injuries that happened in this game uh, on the Pine Lock Eagles postgame show, live from Ocean Casino, back after this. Hey, Philly. It's Tom Giordano from Pond Lee Hockey. Follow us on Instagram for your chance to win free Eagles tickets all season long. That's right, I'm talking regular season, playoffs, and even the Super Bowl. So follow us on Instagram for your chance to win free Eagles tickets. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. My name is uh, Fran Solano. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. perfect pair. Do you stream on a Roku, a Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Watch Action News Live. For the big story on Action News. Plus special programming, breaking news, and severe weather updates. Tremendous amounts of rain. Always on. Always the news team you trust. Watch 6ABC 24-7 uh, on your streaming device. Dean went out, Search right? 6ABC Dean Philadelphia out, right? and start streaming out. today. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Well, back to the Apollo Hockey Eagles postgame show. Time to wrap it up, but not before we get an injury update from our man, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, our sports doc who joins us every week. And, Doc, a lot of guys were banged up in this game. Um, including uh, Dallas Goddard and a couple cornerbacks went out in consecutive plays with Slay and Bradbury, and you had Dean going out. But the big uh, update that we want to look at is uh, uh, Jalen Hurts, and, and he got banged up on that knee again. Uh, what did you see there, and what was the perspective uh, prospectus of him playing that entire game and surviving it? Yeah, I was obviously at the game, and I was really concerned at halftime because he was limping off, and uh, it looks like he re-aggravated the left knee. As always, he wouldn't speculate. He wouldn't share anything about it other than he's glad he has two weeks to recuperate. So I believe he just has a very badly strained knee, and he was very game. And obviously the second half, you really eliminate the RPO, and you become, with the running game, very one-dimensional. They couldn't really run in the fourth quarter. But... Uh, Again, I don't think he tore anything, but I think that's just a chronic uh, strain of the left knee as far as I can tell. All right, what about the other injuries that you saw with, uh, with Goddard and uh, uh, a couple guys that also got banged up in this game? Goddard's injury concerns me the most. To see what happened where his arm really got pulled and he was flung to the ground, they called it a forearm injury, but to me it looks like an elbow injury, and it could be... My concern is that he could have actually dislocated the radial head, which is one of the bones that connects to the elbow. And when that happens, there's usually a, f a fracture of the log bone, which is called the ulna. So I'm hoping that isn't the case. But the concern, Mike, is that 
he was listed as questionable, went for x-rays, and then he was ruled out immediately. So if he did suffer a fracture or a complete dislocation, that typically would require actually an open reduction, which would be a surgery, and he'd be out six to 12 weeks. So Ooh. there's a lot of speculation. There's also the Bryce Harper injury, an ulnar collateral ligament tear, which isn't quite as bad. That's more something where he could benefit from PRP or immobilization. With the Kobe, it looks like it's a recurrent foot injury as far as we can tell. And so that would be and the other, the corners, obviously Bradbury didn't look right. You know, he obviously was playing way off of uh, off the ball. And we don't have any word on that. But I guess if I have to list them, Goddard would potentially be a season-ended injury if it was a radial head subluxation or dislocation. But we don't know. We don't want to speculate. And obviously Hurts finished the game. And then you have N'Kobe Dean re-injuring his foot and going out. So there, there are a lot of injuries to talk about. Uh, Doug, I just have one quick question for you. What happens at halftime? Because Jalen Hurts came out, you would never know that there was any type of injury. I heard he got an IV in Nick Sirianni's office. First off, is that sanitary? Second, um, <laughs> is what happens to a player uh, when they get an IV, and how does that help a knee? If, if we can hypothesize that there is an element of cramping, it was, you know, it's possible that that, that leg was cramping up. That's the only thing an IV would do. It wouldn't help a knee per se. Okay. So let's say he was cramping up, he had an element of cramping, and they ran electrolytes through the IV. That would certainly be a more benign outcome than a structural injury to the, to the knee itself. And, Doc, something like that real quick. With this week being able to be off, we don't really know the exact injury that Jalen Hurts does have, but it is, is that just that knee strain. You think he's okay after just one week of rest, or you think this is going to aggravate him throughout the rest of the season? That's a good question. It's hard to say. It's been a nagging injury. Uh, as you know, the last, the last three weeks he injured himself in the Rams game. He's incredibly stoic and tough. He's going to be getting a lot of therapy and he really needs, you know, he needs the whole two weeks. And he didn't miss a play. So th that is a great concern. As far as the MRI of his knee, we don't really know. Like, the Eagles keep things close to the vest. And they don't, they're not, they're not obligated to share. But I think he has a bad strain. And I, I can't really speculate. I'm, we're, we're all hoping that, he, uh, that he's much healthier in two weeks. Hey, Doc, let's take a more um, positive approach on Dallas Goddard. What's the best-case scenario for him at this point in time? Great question. It could have been, if you remember Bryce Harper in that game where he hit his funny bone, th that's really alarming. I'm sure you've had that yourself, Seth, where you get banged right on the ulnar nerve at the elbow. You lose feeling. And so if it were, let's say, just a strain of the forearm, of the tendon without a tear and if it was just a tweak of the funny bone like harper if you remember he went to the dugout and they came out so that would be the best case scenario something we call neuropraxia which is just a tweak of the older nerve or the funny bone which is very alarming and if you bang your funny bone, it's, it's very alarming to be a player Th that would be the best case scenario because if that were the case he'd be back in two weeks so that would be optimum all right, Doc, thank you so much. We appreciate it. they got a bye week, so we hope some uh, players heal up and we'll get the, through the rest of this, what uh, we thought was going to be a really tough part of their schedule. Thank you for hanging out with us tonight.
Thank you. Have a good evening. Dr. Bruce Grossinger, our sports doc, who joins us on the Pine Hockey Eagles postgame show. All right, let's just quickly look ahead here. Uh, the bye. Everybody can take a breath. Everybody can, can heal up. You can forget about football for maybe a week and a half. <laughs> And then zero in on the big game against Kansas City uh, in Kansas City. And then Buffalo, San Francisco, at Dallas in revenge, at Seattle, back-to-back weeks before you get a breather with those lousy New York Giants. And as we stand right now, I'm less fearful of that schedule well, than I was be. before. <laughs> well, you should. I mean, I was saying earlier, you're looking at a team right now that is the one that knocks. The Chiefs are looking at this Eagles team, and they might be the only one, considering they beat them in a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. to not fear them. But that's not the same Kansas City Chiefs team. All the respect in the world to their defense and their ability to get after it the way they've been able to get after it this year. But the Eagles are the team to install fear in any other team in the National Football League right now. The gauntlet is no longer the gauntlet as far as I'm concerned. The Eagles have put themselves in a phenomenal position to go into that bye week, get healthy, and come out with a fresh start. That all starts with Jalen Hurts, and I think teams still haven't figured out how to defend or cover A.J. Brown either, so that's still going to be an issue throughout these weeks. I don't think the Chiefs will figure it out. I don't think the Bills will or the 49ers. I looked at this schedule, and I said, okay, it might be an issue, but I think the bye week comes at the perfect time. These guys are able to get some rest until they have what you could say a little bit of a tougher schedule than they've had. I'm, I'm looking at the schedule. they got Buffalo at home, San Francisco at home, Dallas on the road, Seattle on the road. Um, the fact that they're home and Kansas City, obviously, you know, on the road. Um, I'm just trying to, in my mind, project, you know, what they're going to look like through these, you know, next five games. Because, you know, once you get to, you know, week um, 15, 16, and 17, you got the Giants, Cardinals, and Giants again. Um, you know, in some of those games might be games, you know, where you're resting by then. You may have something sewn up depending on how you play over the next five weeks. Um, I would venture to say if the Eagles can come out of this next stretch, you know, four and one, three and two at the absolute worst, that they'll still be sitting, you know, in pretty darn good position, um, you know, from a from a, a conference standpoint and the ability to secure um, the first round by and home field, you know, throughout. Um, obviously, you know, I'm concerned, you know, with the injury, especially the Dallas Goddard. It's a big part of what they do, not only from a blocking standpoint, but, you know, when they decide that they want to get him involved in the past, I think he's one of the premier tight ends in the National Football League. Um, but I look for this team to get rested up. Um, they're going to be chomping at the bit when they come back to get it. Kansas City, you know, it's always a tough game in Kansas City, but then they have the benefit of coming home against you know, Buffalo and San Francisco, which is going to be a knockdown drag out right here at the link at 425 for each of those games. I'm really looking forward to the second half of the of the um, of the season. Um, you guys get rested up. I'm going to get rested up. <laughs> I'm going to get me, you know, what I call my triple S's, a little sunshine, a little a little sand and a little sea, a little seawater, you know, for about four mm-hmm. or five days and um, and be ready, you know, for the for the for the final run. And hopefully, well, hopefully, hopefully all the way to, to Las Vegas. Well, uh, have a great time, and thanks for asking us to come with you. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, I'm that, going uh, on vacation to get away from your ass, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> come on, man. You, wouldn't you want me hanging around? No. <laughs> I noticed there's no G in there, no golf. 
Oh, of course. Oh, I'm just uh, going to say it's all. It's part of all the right. package. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. At least one or two days. I was going to say. Very, very right. little golf, though. It will yeah. be. It will be. I, I know. Mean, uh, I've, I've, been burned, I've been burning the candle at both ends for uh, quite a while. I need a little R&R. I hear you. <laughs> uh, for Mark Farzetta and Kayla Santiago and Bill Calarulo, especially our pal Derek Gunn, uh, who's dealing with a family emergency, our thoughts and prayers are with you, D. Gunn, and we'll see you back here hopefully real soon. Have a great week, everybody. Eagles win it 28-23 over the Cowboys. They're 8-1. So good night. We'll take care, and we'll talk to you in, t- in two weeks. Bye-bye. Hey, Philly, it's Tom Giordano from Pond Lee Hockey. Follow us on Instagram for your chance to win free Eagles tickets all season long. That's right, I'm talking regular season, playoffs, and even the Super Bowl. So follow us on Instagram for your chance to win free Eagles tickets. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark the dark but i once heard someone say but as i always say it's okay to be afraid as long as you face the fear and keep moving forward wherever you are in life count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years independence blue cross go to get your game on go for the beers go for the cheers go for the hit and the hits Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. My name's Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.